Greetings and welcome once again, Retroids of all ages, young and old. Welcome to the Season 3 premiere of the Retroidoctopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. We here are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. And also I, to drink. I love drinking it. Mostly I, to drink, I would assume. Mostly to drink. It's I love to. the drinking. Yes, I love the drinking. But dying is dying is. I mean, to be, to be fair, Dying's to there. be fair, I, I haven't tried the dying part, so I can't speak from personal experience. When okay. I die, I'll <laughs> let you guys know if it was right. worth it. I'll, I'll, I'll make. I'll, I'll jot down some notes and I'll, and I'll pass them along when, when awesome. that happens. Thank you, Berm. So, I am your host, Eight Bit Alchemy, and with me, as always, are my felt-based cohorts, Boss Rush Mode. We're on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, muppetation, mupp, muppetational. I said that right the first time, so let's go with it. Nailed it. <laughs> it's hard saying real words. Imagine trying to say fake ones. Parasite Steve. I'm not a parasite. I'm a king prawn, okay? Okay. <laughs> and Nintendo. Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's a good uh, quote. I assume that is from a, the heart. I assume that is a Jim quote. That's a Jim quote. That's a that's nice. a Jimmy James original. So here we are, the season three premiere, and I want to talk to you guys. I want us all to talk about Jim Henson, aka the master of Muppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all know him. Uh, we all have feelings about him. Some are good. Some are. Some are are not are just like meh, but it's cool. You know, everyone's got everyone's got their stuff, and that's why we're here to talk about. But one thing I want to I want to preface before we get too far into the episode is that we're going to be changing things up a little bit as far as format goes with this premiere. We are going to have uh, our octoponder this question, which normally happens quite close to the end of the episode, happening much closer to the middle of the discussion. So I've kind of structured things to be, you know, two main halves of the discussion. The octoponder is nestled nicely in the middle. It's very comfy. It's very cozy there. And, uh, and we kind of did something new where we posted the octoponder this question on our Facebook group. And we had a bunch of people weigh in on their thoughts. So a lot of you already know what the octoponder this question is. If you haven't seen the post, then you'll be hearing it for the first time on the episode but uh the fun of this is that we can then read a bunch of the answers from the retroids live on the show and then you can still weigh in after the fact with email and facebook and twitter and whatever so that option is still there but at least this way we've kind of drummed up some answers on the you know ahead of time so it makes the section a little bit more juicy yeah we're hoping it'll be more fun so let us know if you like this you know we're going to be doing this from now on for a little while and seeing how it uh Seeing how it goes. Uh, if today was any indication, we went yeah. from zero to 60. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Today was an indication. So far, so good. Uh, good really, question. Yeah. Thank, it is a, thank, it is thank everyone who answered the, uh, the the Facebook comment. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sure. Yep. Super, super happy that everyone jumped on that. Um, I was doing a lot of research and I put that post together this morning and I was just so happy to see how many people were excited to answer that. So a lot of fun. We'll get to that, you know, a little later in the show. Uh, but you know, without further ado, we're going to start talking about Jim Henson. Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, Jim Henson, born James Maury Henson uh, in September 24, 1936. He was born in the city of Greenville, Mississippi. He was the second of two children to his parents, Paul and Betty Henson. Uh, Jim had an older brother, Paul Henson Jr., uh, who he unfortunately lost in 1956 uh, when Jim was only 20 years old. Uh, but unlike a lot of people who might take this loss as something that would, you know, deflate them, uh, Jim really used, you know, the, the loss of his brother as a reason to push himself further, to, to keep looking on the bright side, keep striving to make people happy and do as much as he can with his, you know, his art form to bring joy to other people, which is incredible. You know, really admirable way to look at things. Um, Henson and his family had moved from Mississippi to Washington, D.C. in the 1940s, uh, which is where Jim spent most of his young years. Uh, Jim had uh, recounted that it was around this time that his family got their first television set. Uh, and he is quoted as saying that this was the biggest event of his adolescence. <laughs> Uh, apparently becoming exposed and heavily influenced by radio ventriloquist Edgar Bergen and the early TV puppet shows of Burr Tilstrom on a show called Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, as well as the works of Bill and Cora Baird. Uh, so, you know, from a very young age, you know, he was just watching puppeteers and He's ventriloquists. Like puppets. I think oh, I like puppets. Oh, absorbing it in like a sponge, like a big felt sponge. Just, oh, just taking it all in. Uh, and so, you know, he was really inspired you know, from a young age to start working on, you know, this art form, this medium. Uh, he actually started say working. He was really hands-on. He was or so hands-on hands and hands-in. <laughs> <laughs> he was hands-in kind of guy, uh, which sounds mm. dirty. Mm. Mm. Uh, not sure mm. about that mm. one there. Uh, mm. 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 Uh. <laughs> so uh, he started working at a local television station. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, um, Jim, I, I'd really appreciate it if you uh, t- use the Kermit voice uh, for the rest of the episode. Uh, mm. uh, the okay. whole, whole, whole rest of the episode. Mm, whole, okay, I, I okay. can't do Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, Jim started working at a local television station called WTOP-TV in 1954 while he was in high school. It was here that he would create puppets for a Saturday morning children's show called the Junior Morning Show. I, I'm done. I can't keep doing that. <laughs> I know it's, it's kind of hard to maintain. It's like his, it's a lot of throat. It's like his, very yeah. low in the in the in like yeah, his the normal vocal. voice was already doing seventy five percent of that. <laughs> right. So right. it was no problem. Yeah, I know it's oh. it's taxing. Hi ho. Like so that's about all. Uh, that's, that's so, so he started. Do, he started doing work for this junior morning show at this local Washington television station in 1954. Um, that you know that show would go on for a little while, but eventually it would end up being you know taken off the air. You know it didn't have enough viewership, whatever. But he he was able to kind of get his feet in the door with these you know local Washington television stations. Uh, so uh, Jim eventually enrolled in college at the University of Maryland College Park where he would take a puppetry class and he really started to begin to hone his craft of working with textiles and creating characters this way. Um, after the junior morning show was taken off the air, he actually found himself working at another TV station, WRC TV, uh, which was also out of the Washington area. And it was here that as a freshman in college, Jim learned uh, or used the skills that he learned at college to develop a show that was called Salmon Friends. Uh, so um, like the, all about like the fish. fish. It's all. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, salmon friends. <laughs> yeah, it's all salmon, salmon not, friends. All salmon's not, all time. Not Always tuna upstream. friends. Nope. Not mackerel friends. Nope. Comedy. Comedy swim flows upstream. 
These are salmon friends, yes. Absolutely. Comedy upstream, Salmon, Sam and friends. (laughs) You know what's really funny uh, is that when I mentioned this last night to to the family, uh, Mrs. Parasite also was like, "Um, is this about fish? Like, and then when you just said it, I'm like, I heard the salmon friends. Salmon. I heard salmon. Salmon. Salmon friends. Obviously, Boston. All right, right. right I I got one more. Okay. Oral sects. Yeah. <laughs> no, coral sects. Coral. Coral sects. I mean, oh, I forgot an entire letter that changed. Uh, like, ah, oh, totally changed the, totally changed the meaning of everything. You, you can tell I came prepared for season three. Holy crap. <laughs> we wouldn't have you any other way, though. I mean, we're all barely holding you. Well, you have no choice. We have no choice. This is the way we get you. Um, all right. So, so yes, the show is all about fish and their, them being friends, not food. Uh, so, so this show ran from 1955 to 1961. And uh, it was kind of, you know, I don't know, the first big break, big foray for, for Jim and, uh, and his puppeteering. So uh, the show was taped twice daily. It was a five-minute long comedy routine, which involved puppets uh, singing a variety of songs. They would do lip syncing over the actual, you know, uh, singing uh, audio track. And they would also do a bunch of comedy skits that they would act out. Um, they involved the whole cast of characters, uh, including the titular Sam, who is really weird looking. If super you ugly. see a picture of him, super ugly. Uh, so he was supposed to be, according to Jim, the only human character out of all the puppets on the show. And I guess the rest of the puppets were, you know, interpreted as like figments of Sam's imagination. Jim kind of had this way of liking to play with like the metaphysical and just like, oh, you know, it's not, not everything's as it seems. Um, you know, t- take it as you as you will. Uh, but the thing is that a lot of the sketches that I was able to watch didn't feature Sam at all. Like I watched maybe 15 or 20 minutes of various different Sam and Friends skits, and I saw Sam in one of them. That's so it pretty, was it was mostly Friends. Yeah, it was mostly Friends. Yeah, it's like Sam's in all lowercase like letters. Very little Friends fish. is caps lock. Very <laughs> no where the the fuck are the fish in this show? God, <laughs> Jesus. So. Uh, yeah, so a lot of the skits didn't feature Sam. They featured on the other characters like Harry the Hipster, uh, who was a cool-talking fellow who's very reminiscent of a later Rolf. <laughs> he was um, a cool-talking fellow. He is. He is. <laughs> He's but a, it's like he wasn't... Wait, they wait, weren't quite every, animal everybody, yet. Everybody has their species as their... He's a, as their he's a yep. This is, a yep and chap. So, he, <laughs> so he's just a hipster. Okay. Like... Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of the characters weren't quite an animal. They're just like, it's a thing. I don't know. Right. It's just like a shaped puppet. Like, I don't yeah. know. So <laughs> Really, really sort of enunciate on those P's. <laughs> well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling self-conscious figure. about enunciation this episode because we had salmon friends happen. So. <laughs> salmon friends. Slammin friends. Slammin salmons. Slammin? Yes. yes. Salmonella. I think Salmonella. there was one puppet that was uh, like a... It was like a blue head that was almost like an Easter Island head. Was that from yes, the show? Yes, that's, yep. So that's Yorick, uh, yes. who was a head Alas. made out of stone Alas. with an insatiable appetite. Yeah. And <laughs> I saw, I saw Ironic a bunch because of, he has no stomach. Well, yeah, and what's weird is I saw so many skits, and uh, the one that made me the most uncomfortable was the Yorick one. And it was just him at a plate of food, like heavily breathing, talking about, how hungry he was and like he was just shoving like like long sticks of celery into his mouth and just like 
Like there was oh, a lot of parasite like, Steve's favorite. <laughs> I know it's like easily the yummiest food to just be pigging out on. I mean, if there's one word I'm going to use with celery, it's yummy. It's yummy, goddammit. So yeah, it was super uncomfortable. Like I, I was, and it was way too long of a segment. I'm like, dude, this is like the whole five minutes. It's just this fucking head eating food, like with a lot of mouth sounds. I'm like, this is gross. It was so weird. It's just York moving his <laughs> mouth part. It's gross. It's just, it was just, it was, it's just York. It was just really early ASMR that didn't really take off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it was so weird. Uh, so York was a character. There's a, <laughs> there's a character named Chicken Liver who's, who's a man. Like, he's a humanoid guy. I mean, they he's said that Sam, man. Sam's the only human, but Chicken Liver looks like a dude. Uh, and he's a he's a humanoid character with a huge face and a penchant for culture. He constantly felt like uh, the show was 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 not cultured. It needs to you know have more drama and, and, and you know bring bring more education to the people. Um, I saw a sketch where he was like the sheriff of some kind of wild west sort of town, and I don't know. He's very ugly. Like I mean, that's sort of the, the underline is like a lot of these were were pretty ugly puppets. Um, and then you know I mean there there's a bunch of characters, but the other character that's really worth mentioning is Kermit was actually first in this show he wasn't known as kermit the frog yet uh technically like i mean his puppet is almost exactly the same it's back then he was just kermit the tadpole yeah right (laughs) right i I mean i've seen him described as like more dinosaur-esque and i just don't agree with that like i think he looks almost exactly the same uh but yeah he wasn't decided on as a frog yet yeah um but you know what i had read was that he was supposed to be more of a lizard and the funny thing is I always felt that Kermit was more lizard-like than frog-like in uh-huh. general. Uh-huh. His face is just not a frog's face. It's too pointy. Know. He has way too long of a snout. Yeah. And I always felt like, no, he's lizard. He's, he's lizardy. But he's lizard exactly. the frog. It's Originally, like Sonic the Hedgehog. It's like he doesn't look like a hedgehog. I know he's a yeah, hedgehog like, because I know he's Sonic the Hedgehog. But Kermit right. the Frog doesn't look like a frog, really. Yeah. yeah. I just know he's supposed to be. And he didn't he have just, the collar. He just looks like a Kermit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't. Yeah. He didn't have the collar yet around his around his neck. Right, and uh, he was he was like beige. He wasn't. You know, another thing frogs are known for. Yes, the collars. Collars. Yes. I know. And also being made out of Jim Henson's mom's uh, old old sweater. Coat. <laughs> yeah, coat. It was yeah. a spring coat she was throwing away, and he uh, he actually used it to make the original Kermit puppet. He's like, now uh, hold on there, mom. I'm gonna have to turn that into a, a puppet here. <laughs> Hold on. I'm gonna have to turn this into a cultural icon. <laughs> uh, just, okay. just wait a gosh darn second there, Ma. I'm gonna turn that into a cultural icon. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have show... a tail, so that that does speak more to the frog than the yeah. Uh, yeah. It, so yeah. Um, no, he has I... a tail. It's Jim Henson's arm. Oh my God, oh, you are right. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh my God, that's so dark. Holy crap. Or actually, Jim Henson's Jim part Henson. of it. Yeah, the Jim. Yeah, Jim the Henson whole man. The tail. The tail the is me. It is me. And I'll form <laughs> the tail. <laughs> the tail. And I'll form the tail. <laughs> mop, mop. Tron. I don't know. That's horrible. Uh, so this show was also in black and white. That's worth mentioning uh, because Steve said that the Kermit puppet was like a weird, gross beige. And it was, but they didn't need him to be in color. Right. But what's funny is that they actually, in some of the skits, refer to him as being green. So they make a point of being like, oh, well, you know, I, I, you know I'm green and blah, blah, blah. But, you, you know, it's all in black yeah. and white. So it's yeah. the, the puppet itself wasn't. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Kermit 
was here. Uh, the voice was there, actually, you know, for a lot of it. Some of them, he would be lip syncing, and it was just uh, the other audio. And they had Kermit playing other characters, so he wasn't always the Kermit voice. But, um, you know, I think that's really interesting. I, I'd never seen that before. Uh, and so it was on this show that uh, Jim Henson was able to experiment a lot with his technique and actually do so much of the pioneering uh, early on with puppeteering and actually one of the main techniques that he he started was using the camera frame to actually hide the puppeteers because right. traditionally puppet shows would be filmed with like a large desk or some kind of you know stage made out of wood that would be framed and then the puppeteers would just hide behind it and jim just you know zoomed it all in took that out of the equation and used the frame of the the camera to obscure the puppeteers um and he also really wanted to get more lifelike expressions in his puppets so he was uh you know trying to make the the muppets out of uh, more flexible like expressive materials that had fabric and foam covered rubber and you know just kind of different materials than were normally used for like a, a ventriloquist dummy or like you know different kind of puppets that he that were seen a lot at the time um and actually uh this show was where he coined the term muppet as a you know possible portmanteau of marionette and puppet and he just sort of made it his own thing. Okay. Um, and so uh, on on the production of Sam and Friends, uh, Jim asked for fel- for uh, help from a fellow classmate at his college, Jane Niebel, uh, and she uh, helped him create and run the show. And actually it would be maybe four years later that the two of them would would be married and uh you know a lot of a lot of i think all of his children um were were from jane um you know they they were separated toward the end of of his life but um you know they met in college and stayed together for quite a long time which is incredible um so you know sam and friends had done well uh the the show was popular people liked it people saw it and uh and you people know love it was, fish That's it was thing. a hit people love fish yeah. you know it's good for you those omega-3 fatty acids you can't it, go wrong it, for for a fish it wasn't a flop it wasn't no. a flop <laughs> it was not uh so this gained a lot of popularity for jim and in, in his in his art form uh and so he actually for a long period of time from 61 to 69 he was kind of doing a lot of work with advertisements uh he was working a lot with commercials uh and so he um he did a lot of work with coffee commercials uh so uh, the wilkins coffee is uh is was one name that comes up specifically now i know um there there's some information here that that's parasite steve wants to share uh one thing i want to say before before we get into that is that there was also uh, a character created in 1962 uh, for another commercial for a Purina Dog Chow a TV commercial, and Jim Henson created the the Muppet of Rolf for this Purina Dog Chow TV commercial, yeah. uh, and it it aired in Canada. Um, it, it apparently, Rolf appeared with uh, the Baskerville the Hound, and uh, and the puppet was designed by Jim Henson, and a man by the name of Don Salen built him, and it was uh, Salen's first Muppet crea- uh, creation. But pretty crazy that during this uh, commercial time period, uh, we, we have a character, you know, yeah. spawned that would be no, in it Rolf forever. Do- Rolf the dog. I'm Rolf yeah. the dog. Yeah. I, I'm, it's Dr. Bob. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's like Jim Henson's other voice. Right. It's like, like his gruff, like, mm, gruff cool of, guy voice. You know, kind, of, kind of like this. Or it was uh, this guy over here. Yeah. Uh, I'm Rolf <laughs> the dog. Uh, That's what, uh, what I do. I'm kind of <laughs> scratchy. Yeah. 
yeah it's a it's a good rolf finding it i feel i feel finding like he's in this i feel like he's in the sound stage right now yeah. uh so steve talk to us yeah. about wilkins coffee so wilkins coffee in 1957 he was actually approached by uh washington dc coffee company to produce very short commercials um so he actually ended up doing wilkins coffee commercials from uh 1957 to 1961 he made 179 of these things and they Unreal. were literally, uh, it was a 10-second commercial. This was the challenge that they gave him. Everything was very, very cutthroat in those days and uh, really very short commercials. I mean, think of, think of that. Imagine ten all seconds. the commercials you watched in a row were all 10 seconds long, and that's how it was. Um, so basically, they were like, all right, you have eight seconds for the commercial pitch and two seconds where you got to show the product with the name. So eight seconds is eight really seconds. all he had. For, and he made 179 of these things. So <clears throat> what he did was he came Man, up with he'd a He'd be very, a wizard doing YouTube commercials now. I know, that's what I was saying. Right? right? So what he did was he created uh, these two characters for this campaign, and uh, they were named Wilkins and Wonkins. And uh, basically, mm. one was a uh, Wilkins was a um, Kermit the Frog like sort of character. He sort of looked like him. He didn't sound like Kermit, but he um, he did he did you know he was he was similar. And the other thing was this just frumpy little little grumpy guy with this uh, permanent frown on his face. And the deal was always the same. The ha- like one of them, Wilkins is trying to get Wonkins to drink the coffee. And Wonkins is like, he poo-poos it. And then there's extreme violence. And that's like literally <laughs> every single time. And so I had seen some of these before. I had seen like, there was, there was, they were like, oh, have you ever seen the super violent coffee commercials that Jim Henson did in the 50s? And it's like, whoa, I haven't. And I remember seeing some. And the main one that stuck in my head was that he was like firing cannons at the other character. And I thought that that was sort of in line with the Muppet Show. Because later on, the Muppet Show, you know, it, it was never that wholesome at the time. Like, I think the Muppets have become this very wholesome thing. And what, one of the things I loved about the Muppets always was specifically from the Muppet Show, and in hindsight, actually from this, was that Jim seriously had this, like, dark sense of humor when it came to violence. He's like, all right, well, these are so, these are soft, very fake things, these are so yeah. removed from real people. So it's okay if we blow them up or whatever. But right. I'm not sure. I like the same logic that goes along with like Looney Tunes. They're cartoon yes. characters. So who yes. cares if, you know, Daffy we'll Duck smash gets, them with an anvil or something that'll never yeah. happen. If Daffy Duck gets, you know, hit in the face, you know, point blank with a shotgun and his bill spins around his head 15 times. Right, right, right. Oh, exactly. That's fine. Yeah. Right. And there was never blood or anything like that. Yeah. It's just about like the, the, the hit. It's about the violent, you know, explosiveness of it. And so I went back and watched a bunch more of these. Holy shit. They get way darker than just a cannon blast to the face. Oh my God. Some of them are insane. I will, I will recite <laughs> like they, they literally, there's one with a guillotine. There's like, they, they go on and on. Like it is crazy. The darkest one that I saw, granted there's 179 of these. I watched maybe 10 or 15. The darkest one I saw was, you know, you have the perpetually cheery Wilkins. And he's like, oh, you ever had Wilkins coffee? And then Wilkins like, no, I don't like it. And then he turns around and he's got a, a fucking sword in his hand. Right? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then they cut 
to Wilkins wiping the blood off the sword. <laughs> oh my God. No more Wilkins. You don't see him again in that commercial. It goes from the bloody sword to the fucking coffee with the Wilkins logo. I think we found the thing that will make Joe like Jim Henson stuff. I mean, <laughs> it is really I think it's all about Wilkins and Wonkins. Yeah. It, it taps Jeez. into that darkness uh, that Joe really, loves. Really, really, really funny. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, th- I, I have this uh, written down. It's like uh, he was blown up, stabbed, smashed, cut in half. Like, so many violent acts were, were seen in these in eight seconds. So it's really one of those things. If you haven't seen, you know, the older Jim Henson stuff, including the Muppet show, the Muppet show is way more adult and way more violent than what the, the wholesome, perfectly nice Disney sort of Muppets that we have today. And Mm. this was so much further down that side of uh, onto that side of the spectrum like it's really crazy so really funny but yeah he did he did this for uh from 57 to 61 pretty cool 179 of these bad super super crazy i i really wanted to go back and watch a lot more of them than i was able to i saw a handful and thought they were great um and apparently you could uh they actually had um uh puppets you could get of the two characters They, they were like very successful commercials um wilkins coffee was like it's just instant coffee that's all it is. Yeah. Just instant coffee. It came in this like can, like, like with this round like can. And uh, you could send away for uh, the puppets. They were a dollar each plus postage. And apparently today they're, if you can find one, they're worth about 150 each or so. They're, Which is know, super smart because they were such a simple design for the puppet that it's like, what a great way to also, you know, just bring in a little extra money. You know, it, it, it yeah. wasn't like building a super detailed complicated puppet um that's that's crazy the puppets weren't felt though the puppets you would get were vinyl they were more like the the pizza hut ones that we talked about oh okay last yep, yep, year yep. on that uh the unnecessarily long discussion about happy meal toys about happy meal toys yeah <laughs> right oh my gosh okay awesome yeah and actually so that you know the all, all the commercials got them got uh so much popularity so much notoriety that a lot of other companies were starting to you know option jim henson and 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 the wilkins and wonkins characters ended up going on to to advertise for a lot of other companies coffee they weren't exclusively just for wilkins although they started that way i think the names obviously for the characters had to change but the basic format they like they they essentially went into syndication and they would just, you know, hot swap out like whatever they needed to to make it apply to a different c- coffee company. Uh, you know, it, it got a lot of got them a lot of revenue that way. Um, super cool, super funny, worth worth checking out. So, you know, after uh, after you know some time had gone by um, in uh, in 1963, Jim and Jane moved to New York City. Uh, from Washington, and they they really started to work on their their newly formed company of Muppets Incorporated. You know, they had at this point decided that you know they they had developed a company. You know, wanted to, to keep all this stuff in house and really you know build the brand and, and build things upward and outward. Um, Jane at this point had quit performing um, as part of the cast and crew in order to raise um, their children. They had just had their second children at this point, uh, and so because of of that jim was looking for a new talent and so at this point he uh he hired uh writer jerry jewel and performer frank oz little known guy Hmm. uh, to help fill the gap left by jane 
and um, obviously Frank Oz is a longtime, you know, member of the the Muppet House. Uh, but Jerry Jewell as well. Jerry Jewell has been a writer with the Muppets. I mean, at this point, it's it's sixty three, and and Jewell uh, spoke at at his funeral, and is still, you know, as far as I know, a writer with the Muppets now, which is incredible. Um, so, uh, yeah, so so. Henson and, and his Muppets were, you know, no stranger to talk show appearances. You know, they, they had had characters appear on a variety of different, you know, late night shows and things like that. Um, but the one that was really the pinnacle that kind of like put, as they say, put pickles toys on the map for you Rugrats <laughs> fans out there. Uh, the, the, the appearance on the Jimmy Dean show. Uh, so, so the Jimmy Dean the show sausage part, guy. Yeah. Right. I know. So the Jimmy Dean show partnered with Henson uh, actually to feature Rolf the dog as a regular member of the show. Uh, And Rolf rose to crazy popularity as as Jimmy Dean's sidekick on the show. Um, You know, Henson and Frank Oz performed the character. Uh, He was the first ever Muppet with a regular spot on a network television show. He appeared in 85 out of the 86 total episodes of the Jimmy Dean show um, from 1963 until the end of the show's run in 66. Mm. Um, And apparently Jimmy Dean said that the segments with Rolf were one of the most popular parts of the show and that he, uh, Rolf himself, drew 2,000 fan letters a week. Wow. uh, Which is fucking awesome. Mm. You know, all these people out there writing to a puppet. Uh, It's great. And um, and the I'm this not a part, puppet, I'm Rolf the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rolf, you're right. Uh, you and know, this part easy, actually easy to forget that it takes two people to do Rolf because he has hands. He has two. Yeah, hands. right. Because you have to have to someone's hands in in the head. Most doing of the, the mouth movements of the like of the Kermit verse or whatever you want to call that. They're just like one hand, and then you yep. control one of the hands with like a stick. Yep. Hands are aren't your hand isn't in a glove. Mm-hmm. But Rolf has two hands and a glove, so it actually takes two people to perform Rolf, which is it's it's funny. It's so easy to forget that. Right? Yeah, you take it for granted totally. Yeah. Um. And and Rolf is like you know near and dear to me. Well, uh, he's easily easily top Muppet. Uh. So um. Th- this this part right here is incredible. So Henson was so insanely grateful to Jimmy Dean for you know this whole partnership. The fact that he really was able to kind of jettison his muppets into the mainstream on like an actual you know show that had a lot of followers um that he actually offered jimmy dean a 40 percent interest in his production company uh but dean declined and he stated that henson deserved all the rewards for his own work and this was a decision of conscience that dean never regretted for the rest of his life you know he was a firm believer yeah. that he's like you 100 percent earned this this is your magic you you this is your money and and he turned it down in good conscience not for lack of faith in his success but for the fact that he just he's like god damn it jim henson you right. you earned every right. every penny of this which is incredible that's yeah. so unbelievably awesome what a guy uh i really don't know too much about jimmy dean other than the sausage obviously um but <laughs> I, yeah, think he's a, I think he's a cowboy or something maybe isn't that, isn't that james dean no, I, th- or is, no, or is I he think the rebel without a cause. I don't. He, know. That's 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 the rebel without a cause. Okay. Yeah, because like even the even the logo, like the Jays, made out of a cowboy boot. I think. Yeah, I think he's a Fair cowboy call. or something. Hmm. <laughs> Makes a mean know, breakfast I, sausage. I was not there. <laughs> but you were. 
Um, yeah, so so you know that was just such a, a incredible partnership, and it was, you know, it was really one of the things that that helped him get his next big break. Uh, so uh, Joan Cooney, along with her team at Children's Television Workshop, were really impressed by Henson and his team, and uh, and they approached them to work on the fledgling children's show at that time, Sesame Street. So this was in 1969. Oh wait, I thought that, I thought it was named the Fledgling Children's Show. No. Oh, all right. That was the working Thanks. title. That's a working. Oh, title. Oh, yeah, that's I a work in it. progress. Fledgling Children's Show about all baby birds. <laughs> Fledgling Children's Show. Sweet we had man. Sam and Friends. Now we need you know a show about birds. Yeah, baby birds. Yeah. Baby birds. <laughs> I mean, technically, there's a very large bird in this show. Um, so yeah. yeah, so the so the show is Sesame Street. Uh, so I, you know, I. Can you tell think me how to get that. <laughs> Oh, oh uh, shit! I, for, I forget the directions. Uh, if I'll only to they told to us that. every time. Uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, 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 definitely able to talk a little more about Sesame Street just from a personal experience than maybe some of the other topics. So I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to speak your mind about some Sesame Street. Uh, other than uh, I always hate the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I, my, my younger siblings would watch it and I would attempt to watch it with them. And I don't know, it just didn't pique my, pique my interest as a kid. Right. Um, although I, I did enjoy uh, Oscar the Grouch because he's my spirit puppet. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and, and the Cookie Monster. I love making fun of him because every time he eats cookies, he sounds like a death metal vocalist. And I was always go, See, it's my cookie, cookie, go for me. Or whatever. And, <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, and who doesn't love the way Cookie Monster eats? Like, it's the I know, greatest. He, it he brings like, joy to he, anybody. He eats like I do. Yeah, he he just opens his face a, and just shoves a, crumbs just, everywhere. Yeah, just, I, he gets yeah, almost he doesn't even eat. He just crushes. I just, them right. I just crumble cookies all over the place. He That's just makes a fucking <laughs> mess with his mouth open and then closes his mouth and he's now eaten. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my That's God. why he's always hungry because he never actually right. he never actually <laughs> eats. Yeah. He just crushes his, his mouth. In his mouth. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I know. So. I honestly had like a a really bad nightmare about this show. Oh, which is really? like partially the reason why I hate it. Hate the show. Okay. Okay. I always hated it before, but this kind of like sealed the deal. Um, uh, it was really weird. Um, I I remember you know falling asleep, and then in my dream I woke up and I go to the TV to turn on to turn the TV on, and and it was Sesame Street, but it was like fucking R rated. It was like a fucking gory movie or something. It was so fucking mm. weird. Whoa. But it, it it freaked me out as a kid. And ever since then, I just like I refused to watch it. Whoa, huh. that's crazy! It was so weird. It's like I hate. I didn't care for the show to begin with. Now it's like I am done. <laughs> Fucking right. done. Fucking fuck you, Big Bird, you piece of shit. <laughs> so I I loved Big Bird. Um, Big Bird and Snuffy were my were my two faves. You know what one scared me? I straight up was afraid of this uh, particular Muppet. Do you guys remember the full body costume that was just the dog? He's Barkley. Barkley the dog. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like yeah. a shaggy sheepdog sort of yeah. dog or something. And okay. uh, 
I don't know. He was, he really freaked me out because um, I think I had a couple experiences with like big dogs as a little kid where, you know, you go over someone's house and they're like, oh, he's friendly. And the thing's like, you know, seven times your size because he jumps on you dog and he jumps on you and gets on your, on your, on the floor. And he's like, you know, just, (laughs) just being friendly. But as a kid, it's terrifying. It's it's not your dog. It's like an animal you don't know at all. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know, like I definitely felt like I can't trust dogs. I don't know. And I definitely like was afraid of this, this Muppet of Barkley. And looking at him now, like you can't see his eyes. You can just, his eyes are like covered in his bangs. Like sheepdogs sometimes are. Yeah. Yeah. Like sheepdogs always are in cartoons. Mm, Right. Um, I swear to God, like the nose to me looks like it's his black soulless eye. (laughs) If you look at Cyclops, he's a demon Cyclops dog. Jeez. Oh my god! Like, look at it that way and think of that, and it's like, oh my god, because the nose is way the fuck too high. Like his his upper lip is humongous. It is really pretty close to where his eyes would be, and uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, yeah, no, <laughs> that's good. a nope. That is a nope for me. That's a nope for you. I've I never am, seen uh, this puppet. I'm good with I'm good with Barkley. But uh, no, I loved I loved Big Bird and uh, I loved Snuffleupagus especially. I think he was probably my favorite overall. But yeah, I mean, I love, I, love I, the- I I think he looks pretty dopey. Snuffle <laughs> Snuffy or or Barkley Snuffleupagus. Yeah, he definitely did. He's but he's he was essentially a, a, a woolly mammoth, and I was like, oh, that's that's so so awesome. I loved yeah. I loved you know dinosaurs and extinct creatures and stuff and to me he mm. was like oh is he's like the woolly mammoth kind of yeah. mr stuffalupagus i think Thank that you, um <laughs> the two those two costumes especially are such triumphs for you know the technology that jim henson created right um, yeah no kidding and yep. uh like it's 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 so funny like these characters just feel so alive that it was a long time before I really understood how you do like how big bird works. Mm-hmm. And it's just, essentially, it's like, okay, well think about it. Like there, there has to be only one guy in that suit. Right. But he's humongous. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, how it's like two people, right? It's, it is one. That's just one guy. Oh, it is one. So the deal one, yep. is like you, you have one of his arms. One of big birds arms is the puppeteer's arm in a sleeve, in a glove, okay? The other of Big Bird's hands is always just pinned to his chest area. And it sort of like moves when he moves, but it's always, it's pinned to his stomach chest area. So it's like, you sort of just don't realize that he's only using one of his arms. And the other puppeteer's arm is doing, is sticking straight up and doing the face. Turning the head head, and and doing the mouth. Yeah. So it's like, it's so interesting to me that that's what they came up with. They're like, no, we can mm. do this big walking costume if you do this. And all I can think of is like, oh my God. Like, like the guy who did it, he was, Carol Spinney did Big Bird the entire time. He just died like two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since yeah. the beginning, since the 70s. Okay. So Carol Spinney is a is a local guy too. Uh, so one of my good friends from college uh, grew up with Carol Spinney's grandson. Oh, that's insane! 
like he's from Massachusetts um, and Carol Finney's big bird, you know, it's like insane. Yeah. yeah. He does the voice of him. He does yeah. the acting yeah. and everything. And yeah. it's just like, that's his, yeah, his gig. he also does Oscar the grouch too. Right. Oh yeah. He's Which from is... Waltham. I didn't yep. realize that. And, that's and crazy. He, died, he, he died in Woodstock, Connecticut. Yeah, wow. mm. but yeah, like very... All I can think of is man, his, his arm must get so tired. The thought yeah. of like st- holding it straight up, take after take after. I know, take, like these long. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I was wondering if there's some kind of shelf in there or something to like rest <laughs> your arm on in some way. Because I'm like, good lord, <laughs> there's so mm-hmm. much upper body strength. Like Carol Spinney just had this one jacked arm. Absolutely ripped. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, you know, n- needs no introduction. Obviously, J- uh, Jim created all the puppet characters that were featured on the show. Uh, you know, when the when the show first started, it wasn't exclusively puppet stuff. Um, there was, uh, you know, he created Grover, Burton, Ernie, Cookie Monster, Oscar the Grouch, Big, Big Bird. You know, all of them. Um, Henson also was involved in producing uh, the various shows and animation inserts that were in the first two seasons of the show. So he did um, a number of the counting films for the numbers one. Oh through my 10. god, that's amazing. Um, he did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So I don't know if he did that one because it specifically said he did the numbers one through ten. So I'm oh. like, I don't know if I don't know how that works. I don't know. Oh. Uh, but apparently it uh, it it said uh, each one of the numbers always ended with Baker voiced by Henson falling down the stairs while carrying the featured number of desserts. Um, he also worked on a variety <laughs> of inserts for the numbers two through 12, including the films dollhouse number three ball film, the stop motions King of eight and queen of six. And there was also a cutout animation, 11 cheer and a computer animation. Nobody counts to 10. So, I mean, the takeaway here is he was just had his hands in a bunch of different mediums was, yep you know, creative as all hell and, you know, really was able to, to show his stuff with Sesame street, not just in the puppet department. Um, and the, you know, the success of Sesame street actually allowed Jim to stop producing commercials entirely. You know, apparently he had just always kept it going because it brought in money. Uh, and so right. he said that it was, you know, a pleasure to be able to get out of that world. Um, and, and Sesame street was able to allow him to do that. Uh, which is, you know, obviously no surprise. It became one of the biggest things ever in kids, you know, education. So uh, no surprise there. Um, but, you know, this this kind of was sort of a turning point where uh, there was there was some thought being put in by Jim that, you know, we don't want to be a company that's exclusively known for children's entertainment. You know, there there was some desire for him to also create content for, you know, older audiences as well. Um, like make but, R-rated Sesame Street movies. Like make R-rated Sesame Street movies to ruin <laughs> Joe's childhood. All right. <laughs> Beam them directly into the slumbering mess. But unfortunately, right. like you know, like the test audience, which was Joe's brain, was had unfavorable reviews. So yeah, because he know. hated the show anyway. It was a terrible hey, exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, before we get into that, this is actually kind of the natural, you know, stopping point, halfway point for uh, for for what I've prepared for today. Uh, so I'm going to say that it's about this time that we're going to take a short break. Um, but before we do that, we have something to ponder. Octo ponder, that is. <laughs> so hundreds uh, of the octo variety. Octo variety. So if uh, if you all could octo ponder this for me. If you could take one movie and keep just one actor and replace all the rest with Muppets, what movie would you choose? And what actor 
would you keep? We posted this question to you all on Facebook, as we said at the top of the episode, and so we'll be reading uh, some of our favorite answers as well as responding to the Octoponder ourselves. When we come back, stay tuned. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey, what's going on? I'm Steven. And I'm Ron. And we're the hosts of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. If you like to hear the latest pop culture news with some smart-ass commentary as well as the latest movie reviews, then check us out. Also, we're a multi-award nominated podcast, so we're doing something right. God knows how that happened. So check us out on all major podcasts and distributors and check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on all social media platforms. Hello, this is Terrell Whitlatch. I am the lead creature designer for The Phantom Menace, among other things. And you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. Hello and welcome back, everyone. Before we took a break, we asked if you could take one movie, keep just one actor, and replace all the rest with Muppets. What movie would you choose and what actor would you keep? So now that the four of us have had some time to ponder it ourselves, let's hear from Nintendo. All right. So this, this should be pretty interesting. Um, so I'm going to go with Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Okay. And uh, I, I'm not going to say I'm going to keep Arnold as the human. I'm going to say Robert Patrick. Oh, yes. Better. Yes. Yeah. So the T-1000 is, is the T-1000. Everybody else is a Muppet. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love it. Yes. Awesome. Well done. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, good. that's sweet. That's I mean, picking Arnold would be like the obvious choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Sometimes, right. sometimes it is best if you like just pick somebody random. Yeah. No, no. You're right. <laughs> um, all right. Parasite Steve. So I literally... Um, I don't know. Like, like all, all I want to do is, is pick three, but um, I'll just narrow it down to one. <laughs> There's so many good ones. This is like, you know, you, you've, you've picked a good question. Obviously the internet has lobbed this, uh, this, uh, this up for us. But, yeah. Certainly, certainly not an, uh, an original question, yeah, but, but one that's a, so much fun to think about. It's a yes. fun question to, to think about for sure. And it always gets good response and, and like it did today with us. So um, I'm going to go with, uh, escape from New York and say, uh, <laughs> even though it is the obvious one, uh, I, I really want to see Kurt Russell's snake Pliskin interacting with Muppets. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be fun, even though that's no, like, yeah, it's obvious, it is the obvious one, one, that'd be fun. Like, yeah. I'd watch yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, runners up. Uh, I, I was just thinking Kurt Russell movies. I'm like, a, a lot of people have said the thing, mm-hmm. um, and pick, you know, you can pick anybody really. Um, also like, Big Trouble in Little China. I was just thinking that, yeah. But, oh my God, yeah. But wait, wait, wait. Not Kurt Russell. Lopan. Lopan's human. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody yeah. else is a Muppet. But my <laughs> official answer is 
Escape from New York. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Boss Rush Mode. Uh, Kind of following in Parasite Steve's footsteps, I also have three, but I'll have one as my main one, which will be any Harry Potter movie and Ron Weasley, mainly because he already looks like a Muppet. He does. (laughs) (laughs) So he can be the only human. Okay. And my runners-up are The Last Dragon and Vanity would be the only human, the the lead female character. That is amazing. I love to see, like, Yes. You know, Timok is Bruce Lee Roy and show enough, you know, just Kung Fu <laughs> Muppets just, just going at each other. Oh my God. <laughs> Hilarious. It would work also with, with show enough being the only human, but I think having the romantic scenes and yes, you're right. That, that's pretty much why I chose vanity. <laughs> right. And, and seriously though, I also want to see the, the show enough Muppet. So you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, uh, my, my, my last runner up is Blade Runner and Deckard being the only human. Gotcha. Hunting down nice. a whole bunch of uh, you know uh, replicants that are also Muppets. <laughs> Muppets. And I want to see that Rutger Howard speech Muppets. as a Muppet. That yes. would just be the most yes. amazing thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, awesome. All right. Uh, it's not. I'll... It's not easy. It's not easy. Tear <laughs> drops in the rain. Yeah. I've seen. I've seen uh, uh, warships <laughs> off the uh, moons of Orion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're just all Kermit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've uh, I don't know. I've seen things my people answers. wouldn't believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, sweet. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I, I had a really hard time narrowing it down as well. Um, I, I feel like the knee-jerk reactions that came to mind was Rocky uh, with Sylvester Stallone as the only one left. <laughs> sure. Uh, just yeah. doing boxing matches with puppets would be hilarious. <laughs> everything with Adrian would be really funny. Yes, everything every with, yes, everything with all Adrian. The training, all, the, all the training sequences would be awesome. Yeah. With oh, my the, God, the, the Mickey running. puppet. I want to see the running. You're going to eat and you're going to crap thunder. Like, I want to see, see you running on the beach. Yes. Oh yes, I mean oh, Rocky Three. Yeah, Rocky Three. You want Rocky Three? Yes. Yeah, I you mean, want you want the stuff. You want the bro, the home bro erotic. Uh, <laughs> home bro erotic. Yeah, Embra- yes. embracing embracing each other with the waves waves crashing against them with the oh, all captures yes. on. Oh yes, and so, then knee so high knee high striped socks. Yes, and the short, the short eighty shorts. <laughs> yeah, this is an image I am all about. So I, I'm like, I really want to see that. Uh, the other one that came to mind was I feel like it would be so much fun to see Men in Black, where Tommy Lee Jones is the only human. Oh, uh, yeah. I just want to see Tommy Lee Jones dealing with Muppets. Yeah, and I feel yeah. Like yeah. The whole context of. <laughs> the whole context of Men in Black is just like a great format for that. I mean, I know there's already so many aliens, so there's not a ton of human component, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. Uh, the alternate, though, is that if Will Smith's the only human, then Agent Agent K could be Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, both of them are really good. <laughs> uh, and, and then you're going to get your noisy cricket. <laughs> noisy cricket. <laughs> yeah, I remembered down on the bayou. I used to eat a uh, noisy cricket uh, uh, noisy cr- over there. Yeah, it used to be a favorite snack of mine. So, so did yeah. Did you think me? No. Did you flashy think me? No. Edgar, <laughs> 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 your skin's no. hanging off your bones. <laughs> Just there's, there's so much potential. So much potential. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could literally make Edgar Bug the only human in that. That would oh also, god, yeah. yeah, that would also work. <laughs> I mean, he's not really a human anyway. 
Um, <laughs> Vincent Donofroff. He's, he's not a human. <laughs> Vincent Donofroff. So we have uh, we have the knobs and off. The knobs and off. Are you tough, Donoff? <laughs> Donofrio. Yeah. Oh, are you enough enough? Are you enough enough for enough? <laughs> oh shit. Uh, those oh, are, those are all awesome. Those are all amazing. So, so, so but... yeah. So much fun. Uh so so we have so many to yes. go through with the retroids. Uh I tried to get as updated as I could as of like the last, you know, hour and a half. So I think I got everyone that I can. Uh I know I said we're gonna pick some favorites, but screw it. We're just gonna read them because it's fun and you guys all participated, so fuck it. Um so to start it off, uh, we have Justin Cooper. He he said uh, the movie is Clockwork Orange, and he said he wants to keep the guy who uh, Alex beats to death at the waterfront. I think he he, he sent us a voicemail. Uh, he said Andy, and I tried to find who Andy is because I don't know this movie, Justin. I apologize. But I couldn't find a character named Andy, so I'm assuming you I think meant he means Alex. Alex. Yeah. I think you meant Alex. So, uh, okay, cool. There's a scene, there, there's, there's a scene for you. Uh, Derek Lofstrom uh, says UHF and keep Weird Al, which... Hell yeah. Yeah, I can see So that much happening. hell yeah. Absolutely. Oh my yeah. fucking God. So much fun. Uh, Bobby Canipe, Canipe? I'm not sure how to say your name. Uh, Bobby Canipe Jr., Evil Dead, keep, uh, keep Bruce Campbell. Um, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, like, amazing. Uh, uh, one, of, one of our favorite, uh, Taryn Barber, Alien, keep Sigourney Weaver. Oh, this is my favorite of all. I want to because I want to see the Muppet aliens. Muppet aliens. Yeah, yeah. The Muppet morph. That's right. Oh my god. Zeno Muppet. <laughs> I want it. Uh, and the other alternative on that was that if uh, if the only thing that's real is the alien and everybody else is a puppet, which is also also like, amazing. Stakes yeah. are high. Oh shit. Right. Uh, Chris Philbrook. Hello, what is some how you bitch? <laughs> 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 um chris philbrick says i am legend keep doggo um i paraphrase there because i don't know i don't remember the dog's name uh cameron james says lord of the rings keep ian mckellen so much yes same okay. energy as tommy lee jones i <laughs> yes. like i i want yes. that feeling with all the muppets feeling with like oh you, you little fool of a took just so much grumbling just <laughs> uh, fools. two and a half hours of just under the beard grumbling um Ian Wallace says, "Training day, keep Denzel." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always uh, keep Denzel. Always keep. Denzel. <laughs> no, no matter, no matter what the situation, always keep. Always Denzel. keep Denzel. <laughs> Who's cheaper, one Denzel or an entire cast of Muppets? I don't know what which one is easier, easier <laughs> to fund. Muppets. Probably the Muppets, I guess. Um, uh, Miranda Dalzovo says, "Clue, keep Tim Curry." That's a yeah. great suggestion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, very fun. Uh, Chris Orkeys says the Warriors keep Michael Beck. Yes. That would also uh, be awesome. Like just seeing a whole bunch of fights with Muppets. Yeah, just like waves of Muppets. Yeah. It's and like I also want to see the, uh, the the lady on the radio who was played by Lynn Thigpen. She like her yeah. her mouth was all that was ever in it. I just wanted like the little Muppet lips. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just little, the tender Muppet <laughs> lips. Little Muppet oh, lips like, on the microphone. Like don't, yeah. don't be in the Greek chorus. You go, Lynn Thigpen. Uh, next up we had Andy Doyle he gave us a few suggestions so I went with uh, The Princess Bride and Keep Carrie Elway which is uh, uh, super fun fun. Uh, Tawana Munford says Rocky Horror and Keep uh, Peter Hinwood uh, as Rocky 
um, the creation. This, which this was going to be my first suggestion, but obviously uh, the Retroids get now first Re crack. Retroids yeah, got first yeah. crack at it, yeah. I would have so kept funny. Tim Curry as the human, though, but uh, that's, yeah, because, that's the only thing I would have done different. Because both reveals would have been funny. If he's like, here's totally. my creation, and it's just like a Muppet <laughs> lifts up out of this, this hunky and Muppet. all the anticipation. Patience. Patience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, super, super great. Uh, Andy Zayman says heat and keep Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> Got that Gandalf energy, same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, man. Uh, Shelby Croto says 300 and keep Gerard Butler, which is my, awesome. My, my suggestion was uh, instead of Gerard Butler, I would keep the uh, guy who gets – uh, power kicked into the pit. <laughs> Just so there's a Muppet power kick launching a man. Yeah. Would have all the impact of a Harryhauser yeah. film. Yeah. Right. This is Sparta! <laughs> this is like a Muppet kick. Yeah. Oh my God. Just a little that would be amazing. sound effect gets played. <laughs> That's it. No, no more. Tony Tarico will sue you. Tommy Tarico, rather. Maybe Tony as well. I don't know. Maybe Tony. Hey, hey Tony. Maybe Tony. Maybe Tommy. Hey. Maybe Jimmy. Maybe Vinny. All the all, all, all them Tallarico boys. That's the Tallarico hey. squad. They're gonna be right up your ass. Uh, Adam Letourneau says, "Fast and the Furious. Keep Vin Diesel. You gotta. I mean, gotta have to. I mean, I mean, you gotta. Right? You gotta keep Dom. Uh, Phil Conti says, "Avengers. Keep RDJ. Yeah. I mean, yeah." yeah. I, I feel like I feel like RDJ Ronnie would just James do Gio. well. Ronnie no. Dames Geo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I mean Ronnie Dames Geo. 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 I think Ronnie Dames Geo would just be good at acting with Muppets. Like I, I have Maybe. all the faith in the world that RDJ could pull off being uh, the only uh, actor. Um, obviously, it's uh. Robert Downey Jr. So Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. For, for, for. Uh, Jordan Epperson says, Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey is the Bandit! <laughs> uh, she said to just keep the Basset Hound. Yeah, another doggo. Yeah. Doggo. And then, uh, and then Mrs. Parasite uh, says, Van Wilder, keep Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Which is super oh, fun. Nice. Uh, and, and I had a last minute addition. Um, my girlfriend, Stephanie, she said, Indiana Jones and just keep the, the head Nazi guy. <laughs> so ev everybody okay. else. There, 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 there is, is another there was, one. There two, There's there another one that, that you missed too. Yeah, those, there was two of them actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, James, so. James Case yep. said, The Passion of the Christ, keep Jim Cavazio. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, Reagan McKenzie Riggles says, uh, maybe the cable guy and see puppet Jim Carrey bust to the door. So I, I mean, he didn't say which one to keep as human, but at least well, we'll just say Matthew Broderick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to hang out. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, awesome. uh, Dr. Nice. Matteo had two. She said, um, she said, uh, it, the movie it with, uh, with the kid, Eddie, who is the one who gets his arm in a cast, as, as she reminded me, um, as the only human. And then she said, um, one of her favorite all-time horror movies, the 80s fabulous, The Stuff. And she said, you got uh -huh. to keep uh, Chocolate Chip Charlie, uh, who is a minor character. And I reminded her that he was barely in the movie. And she's like, no, he has to be human. <laughs> <laughs> so, it must be so. I was, I was pretty sure she was going to go with uh, Michael Moriarty on that. And she's like, nope, it's got to be Chocolate Chip Charlie. So. 
<laughs> Ch- Chaka Ch- oh, Charlie. Oh, and just and just and just so it's mentioned, uh, PJ Ray Hall said the Muppet Show, but he didn't say which character would be human, so he answered it incorrectly. Yes, yeah, well, that's you, what he uh, does. He tries to blow up every question ever, so that's what he does. Yes, PJ, you answered the question <laughs> wrong. You get no credit. I'm sorry. This is an incomplete. Please turn it in next Tuesday. Uh, so thank you all for those awesome ponderings. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, that was so much fun. I friggin' loved the participation. I am really excited to keep doing stuff like this uh, going forward and see what kinds of fun stuff we can cook up. Um, I think it's going to be really great for the segment. I think it's going to be good for the pacing of the show as a whole. And it's going to help to make season three that much more special, guys. Let's, uh, let's do it. Let's absolutely do this. So without further ado... Let's get back to the meat and potatoes. The M and P, M and P of the Jim Henson's Master of Muppets episode, season three, episode one. Are you ready, kids? Um, so we we left off with the the end of his time with um, Sesame Street. You know, Sesame Street was doing really well. He left commercials. Everything's looking up. Uh, but he really was focusing on expanding his audience. Uh, Jim was concerned that the company was becoming only known for children's entertainment. Uh, And so it was at this point in time that Jim actually created a series of adult-oriented sketches for the first season of Saturday Night Live. Uh, And so these were actually known as The Land of Gorch. And uh, 11 episodes were initially produced, and then four more kind of were released like piecemeal. Um, But they aired from 1975 to 1976. Um, There's a lot of information about The Land of Gorge. I I wasn't able to watch too... uh, I wasn't able to watch any of them, uh, but I'm really curious to see kind of what what sort of things they dive into. But uh, ultimately, the partnership between Henson and Saturday Night Live ended up fizzling out because, uh, you know, truth be told, the SNL writers never could fully get behind writing material for felt. Um, One of their (laughs) writers actually was, you know, um, you know, paraphrasing the quote, but said, said something to that effect. Um, And so basically Jim was like, well, okay, you know, maybe this isn't the outlet. It just never Uh, felt right. And never <laughs> felt right. So, uh, so yeah. So, so Jim actually decided at this point that he wanted to try, you know, kind of uh, coming up with an original show for uh, the Muppets to be on Broadway, uh, and he actually started optioning his show around. So, um, at this point in time, he was, you know, he was writing this Broadway show. He was bringing it around to a bunch of producers, uh, but he was having a lot of trouble. Um, there was really no interest uh, from people to to have the Muppets kind of branch off and do this more adult-oriented kind of Broadway show. Like, it just wasn't working for people uh, in America. And so Jim decided, he's like, well, you know, maybe maybe this isn't the right, you know, outlet for, for this kind of thing. So he actually took his team in Muppets Incorporated and moved them uh, to England. And, uh, and so at this point, we, you know, we're in like the mid to late 70s, like 76-ish. Um, and so they moved to England they, and they scrapped the idea for Broadway altogether. Uh, and so instead, him and his team actually started to work on creating the variety show that would come to be known as The Muppet Show. Um, and so this show was, was you at know, At that point, it was time to light the lights. Yeah. It's time to, you know, get things started on yeah. The Muppet Show tonight. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so The Muppet Show is, it is the thing that I really latched onto when I was younger. And a lot of that was from Parasite Steve, you know, kind of introducing it to me. Like, I I had exposure to 
um, you know, some of the Muppet movies that came later, you know, Muppets Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island. But when when we really started to dive into the Muppet show um, from the 70s. Because they were really, just putting them out on DVD for the first time. They were just time starting ever. to be on DVD. Yeah, uh, I just... I just fell in love with it. I mean, it's, it's so freaking funny and there's so many great guest stars and I mean, you know, people that I knew to some extent, people that I had no idea, you know, like moment chance, like who the fuck is moment chance? I don't know, but they were on the show and, you know, they had a lot of different uh, performers and guest stars and actors and musicians and things like that. Um, but you know, this, this show really kind of brought Kermit back into the limelight. Uh, get it green and um I don't get and it. then and then also you know a lot of characters were created and 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 pioneered for the first time with the show like miss piggy gone's with a great fozzy bear um animal you know the whole um you know dr teeth and the electric mayhem like all of that stuff you know was kind of like for the muppet show really that was where these characters sort of came from um and the Muppet Show ran for five seasons. It had 120 episodes. I mean, you know, like I said, the guest stars ranged from, you know, S- Steve Martin, Harvey Corman, Rita Marino, Dom DeLuise, um, Ethel Merman, Don Knotts, Vincent Price. And there was, you know, a lot of musicians too, like Elton John, Diana Ross, Linda Ronstadt, and Leo Sayer. Alice uh, Cooper. Alice Cooper. I mean, yeah, there's, there's so many great, guest stars you know and then there's my favorite episode episode of all time which is the mark hamill episode the mark hamill episode you got like you got so much for your dollar with the mark yeah Yeah, and and his cousin luke skywalker yes right exactly (laughs) right you got mark (laughs) hamill and then you got like a manic like parody version of luke skywalker where he was just so (laughs) over the top and so like ready ready to kill everything (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> like, why are you funny. such a spaz, man? He was just so <laughs> freaking violent. And like, I don't know, and C-3PO and, uh, and, and R2-D2 were there as well. So. And, and, well, and, and C-3PO? Ancy. Yeah, I mean, he Ancy, is yeah. pretty antsy. He was an Ancy 3PO. <laughs> 3PO? Where could he be? Where could he be? <laughs> that's where uh, he was. That's where he was. He was on The Muppet Show tonight. Bump, 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 bump. Bump, 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 bump. Also, uh, <laughs> worth mentioning the, the episode with Twiggy! Oh! And, and just like Kermit's like mad flailing, like the way that he claps yep. whenever he introduces something. It's just his arms just go to like spaz mode. And Yay! whenever yeah. when, he, yeah. when he introduced yeah. Twiggy, yeah. I feel like there has never been a harder. Uh, I, yeah, he, he, he Kermited pretty hard there. Actually, yeah. you know, I, I think it's <laughs> worth mentioning. I've always said this. I feel this very strongly. I think my favorite Muppet probably ever is Kermit on The Muppet Show. And that is a very important dis- 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 it, it is. distinction because any other time Kermit's just nice. He's just like the nice, he's just the glue. He's got a big dream. He's got to get somewhere and he's just holding everyone together. And he's just nice. He's just a good pal. And that is not the character of Kermit on the Muppet show on the Muppet show. He was so strung out. So everybody was on his last fucking nerve. He was constantly like ready to explode. He's so frustrated. He's just trying to get the show put on. And it's, there's, he's dealing with such shit because all of his performers are like dogs and chickens and puppies and crazy things. And like, none of them like are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Next now I go, you know, he's just <laughs> like ready to freak out at any freaking second. And I just love that character. I so love it was basically it was basically 29 rock. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just, uh, yeah. He, I want to go to there. I love when he spazzes out and then he just has like the heavy breathing section where like his puppet's all <laughs> yeah, like yeah. stressed yeah. out and he's just breathing and his like his mouth is all like tensed up. And yeah. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> and usually there's like, yeah. usually you get like a freebie before the full freak out. You'll be right. like, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, get out of here. <laughs> like he always, he always like gives you like a little bit of a warning before he gets full free. <laughs> right. right. Oh man. Uh, so I, I totally, you know, I, I love so much, so much of what I love about Muppets is defined in the course of this Muppet show. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, there was a lot of really great reoccurring segments, you know, on top of, you know, anything that they did with the guest stars, you know, basically they didn't have any guest star on the show, you know, more than once for the most part. Um, and then, you know, they all had their in- interesting, unique segments and stuff. Some were songs, some were skits, uh, but they also just had sh- uh, sketch- sketches that were just the Muppets. Uh, and so, yes. you know, um, some of them were, you know, like all time greats, like Pigs in Space, uh, Rolf at the Piano, Muppet Newsflash, Veterinarian's Hospital, The Swedish Chef, Wayne and Wanda. Like, I mean, there's just, there's some, there's some Wayne good- and Wanda is a deep cut. Yeah, Wayne and Wanda is also was, not that funny. It's it, just, it's, it's just, not, it's not. But it was like not. a little dark, right? It's like, that's like what I love so much about so much of the Muppet Show. It's like it has that mm-hmm. edge. Does it has that like slight? It's not. It's not super dark. It's not yeah. like the commercials of the coffee, but like it right. is it's edgy. It's like there. It's got an edge, and I just really love it. Right, and like Muppet Labs, like there's always like a mm-hmm. lot of violence towards like beaker like you know beaker just gets hurt a lot you know so uh, like this this show was kind of the happy medium of like yeah. okay i'm doing the muppet thing it's oriented for a large audience yeah. but also it does lean into that more you know adult right. it's not like you know we don't need to swear we don't need to like, yeah you know it's it's just a little bit of an edge but yeah. exactly exactly yeah uh so yes needless to say very successful show ran from 76 to 1981 uh during this period in time, uh, the you know Jim Henson kind of started transitioning his Muppets and things to the big screen. Uh, so in in 1979, the Muppets had their their first big film debut with the with the Muppets movie, uh, which was both a critical and financial success. Uh, you know, I I just watched this movie recently. I had actually never seen the whole thing, oh. and uh, that movie is a treat. Um, it's yep. a lot of fun. It really has so many fun cameos. It very much feels like this is the stuff I like in the Muppet Show, but it's a movie, and it does you know it tells a full story. It's not just you know little segments, and there's all kinds of great cameos. It's also very meta, which is funny. You know, it's like the whole thing starts out with the Muppets going to a theater to watch the premiere of the Muppets movie. Yeah, it's that framing device. There, yeah. They're in the movie and everything, and it's like okay, you know. So like that whole thing was was fun to see, and yeah, it's it's a great movie. You know, it's it's got great songs as, uh, in it. For as a as a Mel Brooks fanatic, which I am, I right? Four people from like the classic Mel Brooks troupe, which was right. I mean, Mel himself. Yep. I'm DeLuise, Madeline Kahn, and also Cloris Leachman shows up. Right, and Cloris Leachman was like right, yeah, right toward the end there. Madeline Kahn scene is so short. So short. She's just Ugh. woman at bar. And, uh, and oh my God, what was the gag with, uh, oh shit, the lisp, where he kept Carol saying Kane. the word. Yeah, Carol Kane. Yeah. What was the word he kept saying? He, he kept saying myth. Yeah, yeah say, he's, like, I'm not, he's like, I'm not a myth. And she'd say, yes. 
Yeah, and yeah. He, as if he was saying miss. He's like, no. They only did it twice. Miss. It was myth. <laughs> but the second time they did it, she came out of a of billboard. Nowhere. There was yes. no <laughs> reason for her to be there. Yeah. She just, like, he just said myth. And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It's such I, a funny I think, jab. I think my fu- my favorite um, cameo, even though it's not, he's not a Mel Brooks guy, but um, is the Steve Martin character, where he's just this oh. super over-the-top annoyed uh, waiter, waiter, and he was like, wearing really yeah, short I shorts. You. Oh yeah, he's wearing shorts. Like, I know, I like, wicked short shorts. It's like he's a waiter. <laughs> Would you like to smell the bottle cap? Oh, uh, sure. It smells good. <laughs> the bottle cap. It's a bottle of it's wine. A bottle cap. It's not a cork. It's a, right. It's a bottle cap. <laughs> and, and then Kermit's like, "Oh, would you uh, would you like to uh, taste it for us?" And and he and he's like, "I guess." And he tastes it, and he's makes this big show of spitting it out everywhere and just is just so over the top and then he's like good choice and then the two Muppets are like oh okay okay yeah like kind of unfazed <laughs> by the whole thing uh yeah it's it is a very fun movie um and i mean this this whole you know the success of this movie would spawn so many other muppet movies you yeah. know i mean there's you know the great muppet caper the muppet muppet sick manhattan you know uh the muppet uh Christmas Carol, the Muppet Treasure Island, you know, so many of those throughout the, you know, the following Muppets from Space. Years. Let's let's not forget Muppets, Muppets from Space. Not yeah, I mean that was that was that was I a good one. That was a very good. One. I think that's the um, only one you got to see at the theater. Yeah, that would that would make sense because that one was in the nineties, and know, that had and that one of my uh, my favorite later Muppet editions, which was a uh, Bobo the Bear, which is Bobo the Bear. Okay. Oh no. Oh no. All right. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Just a bear. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yes, right, uh, right away, right away, sir. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. We should come up with a Bobo quote. <laughs> Not really about what he says. I mean, th- yeah, it's just about how he says it. Yeah. So, uh, so that that was also great. Um. So yeah, the Muppet movie was big, big hit. Uh. And so you know, Jim started to really move more in the theatrical direction. Um. He he actually helped uh, makeup artist Stuart Freeborn in the creation and articulation of Yoda for the 1980s Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. And it was actually Jim Henson who suggested that George Lucas should use Frank Oz as the puppeteer in voice for Yoda. Obviously, that turned out pretty well. Right. Uh, he didn't stop doing that anytime soon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in, uh, in 1982, uh, uh, Jim Henson founded the Jim Henson Foundation. Uh, to promote and develop the art of puppetry in the United States. Uh, around that time, he began creating darker and more realistic fantasy films that did not feature the Muppets uh, and displayed a growing brooding interest in mortality. Uh, and so this is kind of the time we'd be talking about stuff like The Dark Crystal, which he do- uh, co-directed with Frank Oz in 1982. And, you know, they were trying to go toward a sense of realism, uh, more toward a sense of creatures that are actually alive. You know, it's like realism in the sense that this could could be a world that maybe existed not like this is real life yeah they don't look uh, like know, they're made of felt right but they're breathing living you know feeling like uh, a potentially <clears throat> existing creature um and then you know for this movie to provide a, a distinct visual style from his work with the muppets uh you know everything in the dark crystal was based on the concept art of brian froud rather than it being jim henson original stuff to just really you know separate it more which i think you know is is probably one of the reasons why it wasn't always obvious to me that Jim Henson was involved with the dark crystal and, and, you know, things down the road, like as a kid, you just sort of watch these things. You don't connect them and say, Oh yeah, that's the Muppets. 
stuff. You know, it's the Muppets guy. You know, it's just, I don't know. I just, it's, I watched the Dark Crystal. So I think that was, you know, that was really good on his part to do that. Yeah. Um, and if, uh, if you're interested in the Dark Crystal and you haven't heard our season, season one episode, it's episode 23, the Dark Crystal, a really great conjunction. You should heck yeah. Out. Heck yeah. Uh, so I mean, Justin you know, Cooper at that point, loves that episode. It's a great episode, Justin Cooper. We uh, we are very very thrilled that you are such a fan of the Dark Crystal and that you enjoyed that episode. Uh, at that point, we were full of optimism of what the future of Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance would hold, and now, unfortunately, we know it's been canceled, which still makes me really sad. Yeah, that's uh, a, it's, it has it's a sad. It, it, it has a sad. Although I did discover this weekend that Funko Pop came out with a bunch of figures based on the Age of, of Resistance, including the Hunter, who looks amazing. Yes. Uh, I hadn't seen any of these Funko Pops, so those are super cool. It's too bad. It's really too bad. Um, uh, the Agra one is great, I think. Agra is also great. I know. I loved that one. <clears throat> uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, this is 1982. So, you know amidst all this stuff with uh, with moving towards theatrical releases and things like that, uh, there are still some efforts from Jim Henson to do the TV side of things. Uh, and so it was around this time in 83 and 84 uh, that his company would be developing Fraggle Rock and the cartoon Muppet Babies uh, pretty much right around the same time. Now, I know that um, Boss Rush Mode actually has a little bit of passion for these. Uh, so take he's it away, just, He's brimming with passions. Oh, he's right. such a passionate man. That's, that's, All the that's, passions. What I'm, that's, that's what I'm known for. The coursing. <laughs> just, just the riveting, this excitement that's just reverberating through my vocals. Yes. Uh, so first I'll talk about the Fraggle Rock, or just Fraggle Rock, or Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. Fragile Ran from, yeah, Fragile Rock, as I accidentally typed in, uh, in our messenger. It must be Italian, as, as Parasite Steve stated. Anyway, Fraggle Rock, it ran for five seasons from 1983 to 1987, 96 total episodes. And in the United States, it aired on HBO, a cable television like network which back in back in that 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 time it was like oh cable was like a, was new and basically new and brimming thing and it was just exciting if you were just one of the people who had cable because oh it, not everyone had cable back then it's just you know just a, at a different time back in the early 80s it was and, an uh, age of wonder it wasn't <laughs> right wonder. it was another world at uh, the time yeah it was yeah. uh and this you know like uh obviously it's you know chock full of muppets um, and uh, Jim Henson, I guess the, the 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 simple yet you know poignant uh, you know aim of the show is a create a kid show that would stop wars. That's <laughs> just, that's you know, pretty simple. Great, yeah, just so uh, and uh, it had four main species that you know they were all obviously all different, but you know tried to show that they could you know even you know despite their differences they could all uh, come together in the end and you know be harmonious and stuff and the four main species included the you know the, the titular fraggles uh the doozers the gorgs and silly creatures which were basically humans or which were humans not even basically <laughs> the fraggles and oh that's right they called them the, the silly, they called them silly creatures. creatures and they resided from outer space which is just our regular space <laughs> well, that's right that was, so we lived in outer space because they live under the ground so we're just in outer space and uh, the main silly or the only silly creature as far as I can tell is uh, a doc he was like an inventor and it, I, oh, what was the dog's name I, I didn't Sprocket. write it down which I should have Sprocket yes um, and you know Sprocket would always like you know see the 
fraggles come to and fro from that magical hole in the wall or whatever that would you know lead them to their little little realm and of course doc would basically you know miss a you know pretty much every time except to, you know, like except for like the very last episode and um actually funny thing about doc and sprocket is um in other countries they were represented differently like for instance in france instead of like a his invention or his like his you know lab or whatever it was like a bakery Really? And, um, and in, um, I think in Britain, it was a, it was a lighthouse. I never knew this. And, That's crazy. Yeah. And it was like different. It wasn't, they were like in like, you know, basically Doc and Sprocket were like inserts and like, uh, they had different actors, you know, depending on like, you know, the region they were from, like, huh. you, know, the, you know, and they would just speak like the na- native language of like, you know, the like main, main territories yeah. like Germany and that's you know, really and, cool. That's such an attention to detail. Yeah. That it's like, yeah, I had no like idea seen in a show. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no idea either until recently. And, uh, so getting back to the Muppet side of things, uh, the main characters you followed along were like, you know, you know, the, there was five main fraggles. There was, uh, uh, Gobo, the practical and down to earth one. You had the imaginative and creative Moki. You had the indecisive and tentative Wembley, the superstitious Boober, that's just the best name, and uh, the adventurous and intrepid Red, who was like definitely the most lively and vivacious of the bunch. Yes. And, uh, and another character that I, I, I found out, um, there's like a little meaning in the, in the name, Uncle Traveling Matt. And the name Traveling Matt is actually a reference to like the blue screen kind of process they used because, you know, you'd have characters in front of a blue screen and that would project like, you know, through posts, like that they're, they're in different, you know, locations and stuff. And they oh, called it a travel funny. and they called it a traveling mat. So they just called one of the characters Uncle Traveling Matt. And he was <laughs> really the, the only the only fraggle really that actually went to outer space and just explored all around the world after he explored all the tunnels in Fraggle Rock. He just wanted to keep exploring. And I guess he, he would just <laughs> occasionally like just, you know, contact like Fraggles. Oh, I was in this place and they'd show him just in just various places in the world or whatever. Yeah. He would send back um, postcards and yeah. that was like a running gag where doc would get a postcard to be like, why do I keep getting this mail for Gobo? Who's Gobo? <laughs> yeah. He'd like put it aside and, and Gobo would come and he knew he always put it in the same place and he would like, yep. Snatch it. yep. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and that was like, I said, like uh, back when my family first got cable and then I was, I'm, I was like a, Ripe old nine when this 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 show uh, premiered, so this was right up my alley at the time. I, I mean, I don't remember any episodes specifically. It's been probably about thirty five years since I've seen yeah. any of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was I definitely remember like liking the show, and of course it's got a really super like you know memorable theme song. Yes, such a good you theme know. song. There was a lot definitely. of music in this show. I mean, there's always music yes from Muppets. Yeah, so, yep, right. But I feel like it was called Fraggle Rock and it was a double entendre. It was like, yeah, they live in a very rocky underground area, but yep. it was also, there was rock music. There was a lot of, lot of stuff. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, and the compos- yeah. And the composers for like a lot of that music is uh, Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee to give ah. them a little shout out. Cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely just a, it's a fun, you know, super easy going show. Like a, uh, and like, like I said, like the different species of, you know, Muppets, you know, were, were super different. Like the Fraggles were like way e- more easygoing and free spirited. The Doozers were very like, you know, work oriented. They were, they were happy just to be doing stuff, being, you know, 
productive and constructive and all that stuff. The Gorgos were actually like really big, almost like human size, and they thought they were basically like the, you know, just the, the crown princes and print or the kings and queens of the the universe. But I think that's like, what they called them. Yeah. Yeah. Then there, there was only like three of them ever, like you know, yeah. Ma Gorg, Pa Gorg, and Junior Gorg or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, it... obviously. Oh, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and then and the silly creature. The silly creature, yeah. There was also the trash heap too, who was just a singular. Oh yes, uh, was it Marguerite, the all-knowing trash heap? <laughs> and uh, and she had these Marguerite. She had these Marguerite. two little guys that were like her uh, her major domos or something, and they would they would like just just announce her, and then she would rise up uh, out of the ground, and they were just really like not that fancy there because they're just trash things, and they had right. long noses. And it was really funny when they talked; their noses just flapped, but but they were like. Eh. Marguerite, the all-knowing trash heap. Yeah. <laughs> like they, yeah. I don't know. They did their job, but not like they didn't. Yeah. But um, I thought it was really like what was interesting, um, and it's definitely something I didn't get at first. But I did get some of the books that went with this, and I, I remember there was something that it, I don't know if it was an episode that dealt with this or if it was one of the books and just just kids' books, not like novels or anything. Hmm. Um, but they explained that the, the whole, like there is a serious cast system going on in Fraggle Rock where, so the doozers are very, very small. They're, you know, yes. like the size of a Fraggle's hand, basically. They're very small and very cute little, little green guys. And, um, like you, like you said, boss rush, they're always building. That's their thing. They're always just industrious. They're building these structures, these just wireframe basic structures and then the the fraggles would come along and eat them, right? And they would like they the doozers would make all these like crystals, but they would like make them out of radishes or radishes. Like, ground up. Yes, because yeah. that was like the so. Radish. So this thing that I remembered about Fraggle Rock, like I really didn't see this show much, but I'm like, don't they eat chalk? Like oh, yeah. that. That's the <laughs> process in my head because as a kid, I saw that and I'm just like. Man, are they eating chalk? And then it put the thought it put the thought in my head as a kid. I'm like, should I eat chalk? <laughs> like I never did it. But this show singularly would put thought in my head of like maybe what about chalk? Maybe maybe it's, a, maybe it's a food group. <laughs> because I didn't I didn't it wasn't chalk like I, they're just these little like you know crisp white plastic but so then so then the way darker thing that i feel like people just didn't realize is the deal was that they used to eat the doozers the fraggles oh, would eat the <gasps> doozers and the doozers came up with this thing they're like well you like radishes we like building how about if we build stuff out of radishes because it's the only thing you like eating more than doozers, but they didn't want to eat the radishes because the radishes are from the Gorg's garden and they're harder to get. So they were just eating the freaking cute doozer guys. And so they're like, we'll just build indefinitely with no intent to finish our, any project. The point is not to finish anything. It's just to keep building. So you have food. So you don't eat us. And the fraggles were like, okay, cool. That is dark as fucking shit. Wow, no it kidding. It really is. I remember having a book and it, it talked about that or there was an episode about that. I distinctly remember this. And I was like, holy shit. It's like 
we have this understanding. We don't need to talk about it anymore. That might have happened a hundred years ago, but that yeah. is what is going on. <laughs> so I want to make this. I want to make this kid show that stops wars, and it's and it and it, and it features like this race that eats another race. They're basically slaves. They, I mean, they they're just <laughs> building to eat. That to, I mean, to live. Right. right. Yeah. Just allow us to, to survive. That. Yeah. I don't oh know. my lord. Crazy. <laughs> Man. It's it's that some is... it's some world building, but I mean it was it was a fun show. I li- I liked a lot. I quite yeah. Fraggle, very, Fraggle very fun. Yeah, I, I like the theme song yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a good. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good catch. Yeah. very. Good. It really is. Yeah, and then uh, the other show that was mentioned was Muppet Babies, which aired from 1984 to 1991 with eight seasons and 107 episodes. Wow, and uh. Yeah. yeah. So this was a show that I, you know, also watched, you know, at least the first couple of seasons. I was like the 10 when this premiered. So I would probably watch the first two or three seasons mostly. And it, it's, it starred like, you know, the, you know, the, the Muppets you most know and love, like Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Fozzie Bear, uh, Scooter, Rolf, Animal, Gonzo, and you know, occasional appearances by Dr. Bunsen, Honeydew, and Beaker. Oh, yeah. Stuff like yeah. that. And uh, basically, it's just them as really little babies, and uh, they're at a nursery, and they would just go off on adventures and just use their imagination. But uh, like one of the things that kind of like was was striking to me at the time, anyway, was the fact that they used a lot of stock footage. Yes. Like d- during this whole like they'd open a door and then like oh it's like a Tie Fighter and yeah a lot, of, a lot of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my <laughs> lord. So it was just one of those just, and it was just cutesy fun show. I mean, then another theme song that was just, you know, kind of just jazzy and like, well, not jazz, good, jazzy, but good. Themes. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Doopy kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, go ahead. That, that thing with the, the stock footage is why it's never been released anywhere. Right. Yeah. Because all the licensing I'm sure is a pain. Yeah. There's yeah. It's a licensing nightmare. They can't, yeah. they can't get the rights to all the clips so they would have to excise all those gags from every episode, and I guess it's just not worth it. So even right. today, where Disney like owns everything, and there's tons of Muppet stuff that's on Disney Plus, no Muppet Babies. There's a new Muppet yeah. Baby show. Right. There's no right. way to watch the old Muppet Babies unless it's on like YouTube or if it's boot. Right. Right. Exactly. Which is kind of a shame. And yeah, I mean, I yeah, just recently found out that there was a Muppet Babies from like 2018. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, whatever. I, I don't care at this point. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Not the same. I, I mean, as long as whoever watched it enjoyed it, that's that's fine and all. But it's sure. nothing that sure. would interest yeah. me at this point in life. Yeah. I mean, honestly, right. I, would, I probably wouldn't watch the original even if it was out. But I just think it's a shame that it can never be. Right. Seen. I mean, right. I, I I definitely watch a couple episodes just for nostalgia's sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm gonna rewatch all eight seasons. I'm up right. as, as a 46 year old man. Let's do know? this. <laughs> Marathon yeah. it. Get it on. I got a 30 rack of beers. Yeah. <laughs> Bring Muppet Babies. Let's do this. Yeah. Bring in Nanny. You only ever see her from the shoulders down. No, no you don't even see her from knees up. You only, yeah. you only see yeah, You never see what she looks like. Unless occasionally, yeah. maybe. Occasionally a handle will like, drop down. Yeah. Into yeah. frame or whatever. Right. Um, it's pretty awesome. It's like the lady from Tom and Jerry. You just see the legs. Yep. Or, or like cerebellum and, from yeah, uh, Power and, of and, and the broom that she tries to you know kill Tom with. Yeah, I, I wish they would do that to Thomas. Babies. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Uh, you're not. It's Maybe. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so if I could, there, there's a segue. Uh, I can naturally go into a couple of sh- a couple of hour long specials that he came up yeah. with in 1980. Uh, hold on a second. Six. Yes, correct. It was 1986. And yes. so, uh, it was 1986. So he had two holiday specials that I remember very fondly. And I watched, is this, um, is this like the star Wars holiday special? It is not. It is not. Okay. Uh, okay. I watched, thank this, God. I watched Woo! this episode. Uh, they are both available on streaming services. The dark web. Well, I think, oh. I think <laughs> the first one I'm going to mention is just on YouTube. It's not available anywhere else. The other one is on prime on prime. Uh, so the first one is the tale of the bunny picnic and this aired march 29th 1986 it was an easter special and it was an hour long and you know it was just this original story he came up with with his daughter because they had this one day at the park and he i remember they they actually had an intro and he talked for like a minute and a half and he's just like talking about how uh this one day him and his daughter were at the park and there were these rabbits and it looked like they were doing something and they had an agenda and something was going on and they kind of just went away and so they came up with the story of what they imagined that maybe they were there for which was supposedly <laughs> funny and uh it was, are up to something. you know it's <laughs> i i watched it the other day again and you know i enjoyed it um i think it's a very cute kids show it's very very much for kids um, but it does have a, like a, a little bit of an edge. It's, it's not like super edgy, but the main thing is that, uh, it spawned the character of Bean Bunny who, um, became very, Muppet Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. He, he became bunny? very popular, but I guess there is the sect of the population that just hates his guts because his whole point was to be the coral sect. Yes. It's the coral, the coral sect. sect. Coral sects hate this guy. Uh, he, I wouldn't say he's a scrappy dude because I don't think anybody likes scrappy dude, but it's, it's like, you know, he was created to be this adorable character and he's very, he is a cute puppet and stuff. But I think that in the context of the movie that he was from, he, it wasn't about him being cute at all. He was totally different. He was, you know, it's almost like Kermit in the Muppet show versus other Kermits. Like I was saying, in the, the, in the context of this movie, his, his problem is that he's too small. He's smaller than everybody else. So he constantly keeps imagining himself as other bigger things. And there's always like a visual, you know, uh, imagined daydream, sort of a misty sort of a daydream that, that they will cut to. And you get to see him as various things. And like my favorite one by far is when he's like a fire breathing dragon with like a bunny head. And it's just such an awesome puppet. I love it so much. Um, but like he's trying to be brave and that's his way of doing it because his big brother is just this complete asshole and he like puts him down constantly and says he can't do anything and and he's too small and it's like dude you are you are two inches taller two inches that's it you got Um, not much on me it's not much um but basically in everything else he just became like oh bean bunny he's adorable that's his only thing and they talked about it and I remember they actually brought him into Muppet Babies for season, uh, apparently it was season seven. And he, he joined the cast of Muppet Babies, being the bunny. He was like the new, the new huh. And he was from this, The Tale of the Bunny Picnic. Uh, yes, so he was also in, uh, usually it was in small roles, but he was in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, Treasure Island, Muppets Tonight. And apparently he was in like three episodes of Muppets Tonight. And he was also in Muppets from Space. 
Um, but yeah, he, he's kind of been phased out at this point, but he did have his, his run where he was like, yep, main cast. He's one of the main Muppets now. Kind of like, wow. I've never like seen Pepe the King prawn joined the cast after Muppets tonight. He was like yep. now part of the, the Kermit verse, um, hmm. and Bobo the bear, same thing from Muppets yep. tonight. Um, so anyway, the other, the other movie from 86 was called the Christmas toy. And this movie is one that I feel like is just, just both of these, I think are just forgotten. Um, same sort of deal. It was a holidays special, same year, an hour long. Um, and aside from, and this one gets an introduction from Kermit. And aside from that, they're all new characters. Um, and the basic story is that they are toys that live in the playroom of their actual human actors, actually. And when the humans are not around, they come to life. Does this sound familiar at all? Gee, Toy Story. <laughs> so Where did it, you get your script? So <laughs> right. it gets crazier. The plot revolves around Rugby Tiger, who is the favorite toy, the current favorite toy of the, the girl in the house, Jamie. And he was her Christmas present last year and is just high on his own supply. He is such a fucking head case. It's so ridiculous. He's so fucking ridiculous. He's so annoying. And he is so sure that he's always going to be your favorite toy. And it's going to be Christmas again. And the other toys are saying, look, dude, you are last year's news, okay? She's going to get new presents. And you're going to have to go through what we have already all gone through, which is to no longer be your favorite. Okay. You're going to be like, right, like we've all been there. The world's going to change. Christmas changes everything. And so he like goes on this whole plot where he's, he thinks he's going to like open up her present and get inside and be her present again, thus finding a, a loophole to the whole situation. But so anyway, so that's, that's a little different from toy story. Obviously Woody doesn't do that, but, <laughs> so he goes and he opens up her present under the tree, okay? And it is a space action figure named Queen Meteora, who is a space superhero and is the only toy in the movie that doesn't know she's a toy. She thinks she's the character. Exactly like Buzz Lightyear. Just like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, it's, crazy. <laughs> it's the same. It's wow. crazy. This came out in 1986. Wow. Like so crazy. It is so forgotten. And like, it's just like, what? It's just Toy Story. It's so crazy. So there is a darkness to this movie. As I keep saying, there's a darkness to this movie. I always remembered this. And Toy Story has, does not have this issue. So there is a rule to this world. Okay. If you're a toy... You can come to life. It's fine. But there is exactly one unbendable rule, which is you cannot be caught out of place. If you get up and move around, you have to, you have to remember exactly where you were and exactly what position you were in when they left you. And if you are caught out of place, you fall lifeless to the ground forever. Dead. The you, gift of life is no dead. no longer yours to enjoy. You are now just a lifeless thing. And it happens to one of the characters to prove that it's real. And then so you're like, 
oh my god so for the rest of the movie the whole all the rest of the toys are like to the rugby tiger character they're like dude you're stupid you're gonna be you're gonna be fucking out of place you're gonna die and he's like no it'll be fine it'll be fine and so they they're like trying to save this asshole's life who literally is too stupid to exist it's crazy it's it's a very weird very singular different movie that i always remembered i always liked it and this christmas um i watched it i found it with uh Dr. Maddie, we found it on on Prime and watched it, and uh, she didn't she didn't love it. She didn't love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it, uh, but um, she thought it was okay. But um, yeah, very Toy Story, very weird. Very Toy yeah. Story, very weird. Uh, yeah, and just totally forgotten. Yeah, I did actually get to watch it this Christmas season too. Um, but uh, I'll be honest, I probably fell asleep through like the the last half of it. But yeah, it was kind of it was just very trippy. It's very weird. Um, yeah, I actually, I so I forgot all about the bunny picnic. Um, that sounds so familiar. And looking at it, I've definitely seen parts of it before, and I had no idea that's what Bean Bunny was from. Um, I like I noticed him when I watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol this season, and I was like, oh right, that little bunny dude. Like, what else has that guy been in? And I had no idea. So that's that's awesome. Very cool. So, uh, yes, so we're in 1986. There's, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on on TV, uh, but uh, on the bigger screen, uh, Jim Henson uh, would be going on to create and direct a, a little-known movie called Labyrinth. Uh, and this movie, actually, I did not know this, but it was also executively produced by George Lucas. Um, you know, uh, there was a lot of other producers on the movie as well, but clearly, you know, his his work with Star Wars and Yoda and everything like that, you know, formed enough of a partnership that George Lucas was willing to, uh, you know, be executive produce this movie. Um, so, you know, for those of you unfamiliar, Labyrinth uh, was a musical dark fantasy film, which uh, also pulled from the designs of Brian Froud, just like we saw with The Dark Crystal, um, in order to help distance it from the look and feel of Henson's previous works. And the movie itself uh, revolves around 16-year-old Sarah, played by Jennifer Connelly, uh, in her quest to reach the center of an enormous otherworldly maze to rescue her. Oh, I thought you were—I thought you were going to say something after the word "enormous." No, no, that's later. Um, not much later, though. Um, uh, who, uh, her rescue him from brother Toby, who Sarah wished away uh, to Jareth, the Goblin King, aka <clears throat> the enormous thing that Steve Parasite Steve was talking about, uh, <laughs> for which this movie can never escape. Because, the greatest character of all time, right? The greatest character of all time. Uh, Labyrinth has a bulge. movie. Bowie. Yes, Bowie. Bowie's yes. bulge, yes, Bowie, uh, yes. Uh, has forever eclipsed the rest of this movie. Um, and it's funny because, you know, as a child, I never once noticed nope. that there was a large bulge in every single <laughs> scene that Bowie was literally wearing these and now like, it's, it just pathetic t- pants. Like, why wouldn't they engineer a better bottom half of this man's costume? Like, every different costume change has this elaborate How can you improve on Elaborate everything up top. And they're like, let's just give him like like dickies for the bot. Like, and it was the right say, decision. Yep, that's it. <laughs> Literal pronounced dickies. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, 
so yeah, the film started as a collaboration between Henson and Froud uh, following The Dark Crystal. Uh, and Terry Jones of Monty Python actually wrote the first draft of the film yes. script in yes. early 1984 uh, and used Froud's sketches for inspiration. Obviously, a lot of rewrites would happen before the movie was released, though. Um, the, the this I mean, this movie was just, it was an all-time just childhood favorite for me. I mean, it is so fucking weird. Um, it's full of weird and whimsy. You know, we, you, you can't avoid the bulge, but there's so much engineering throughout the movie and so much insane puppetry for all these scenes that happen very quickly. You know, I mean, the, the movie is constantly moving. The characters are constantly going from one scene to the next, very rapid transitions. You know, yeah. situations are just bringing themselves to the forefront and allowing them to proceed from one part of the labyrinth to the next. And you're just never ending you know introduction of new set pieces new puppets new things and it's just it's it's never stops being impressive um you know it really it was such an interesting world and i think so many of the scenes that are in the movie that show kind of like a, a wide angle with you know a lot of depth and you see like the far reaches of the labyrinth and stuff like that i just as a kid i was like I was fascinated as to like, what's over that way? What's over there? What's beyond that corner? And I just, I wanted to know more about everything going on in here. Um, and then Bowie and shows up and he's like, turn back, Tim. Turn back <laughs> or your brother will be one of us forever. Um, I, he's like, I will offer you two options. <laughs> either my bulge or this peach. Oh, the peach is rotten and poison. Go with the... How's the bulge looking now? So good. I also have this glass bowl, which just happens to be about the size of my bulge. <laughs> so unfortunately, I didn't know that this movie was a flop. Uh, I actually never realized that this movie did <clears throat> well. Um, and uh, you know, apparently it was a $25 million budget and uh, it was a huge box office disappointment. It only grossed about $12.9 million. Um, and it actually, it was, according to Brian Henson, uh, the, it was, it was, so it was the last feature film that Henson directed. And I guess the poor reception of the movie contributed to a really difficult period of time uh, in Jim's career. And Brian Henson said that this was the closest Jim ever got to turning, like, very inward and and entering like a deep depression was that was the reception of labyrinth really affected him a lot um and i mean i guess i could understand why because you know for the most part he had a pretty gilded career you know it's like he didn't really have much of anything that didn't do well um which obviously you know would 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 paint a certain picture but also the sheer amount of artistic you know creativity and engineering and everything that went into labyrinth for it to then be the thing that really flopped just hit, made that hit that much harder yeah. um you know because really like it's a it's like i feel like the biggest passion project of his whole career um but you know uh obviously he he was able to persevere and and was able to you know keep going um so, I mean, uh, you know, this kind of takes us after, after Labyrinth. So, I mean, for those of you starved for Labyrinth uh, content, I, I fully would love to do a full episode on Labyrinth. I think it would be a great one for us to all watch together and to, you know, tackle that at a later date. There's so much to dive into. There's so many different things. 
uh, I, I want to leave that can of worms just slightly pried open um, for now uh, and, you know, just kind of carry onward. Um, but don't, don't you fear. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll, you know, I'd like to revisit that for sure at some point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this brings us into like basically the final years of Jim Henson's career. So this takes us into the period um, where he, you know, he really kind of was still wanting to explore some of those darker themes that he had gotten into with Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal. Um, and so, you know, he, uh, there was a period of time where he, he was working on some very different material. Uh, the, the show that really stuck out is Jim Henson's The Storyteller. Uh, and this came out in 1988. And I know um, Parasite Steve actually has a lot of information on this one too. I have a lot of information on this one too. Um, this is actually one of my favorite Jim Henson things of all time. Always has been. Um, but I think I'm going to um, kind of save it because we're, we're running kind of long now. And uh, I think this would be a really great crow's nest um, if, uh, if, you know, wh whatever hosts want to jump on that, I think it'd be really cool to, to watch some episodes of this show. It's a great show. It definitely is very different from all the other Muppet stuff. It's really like all the Muppets are not Muppet like at all. They're more like something you would see in the dark crystal, but they're even more realistic than that. They're, there's, you know, they play with humans and they are only used when it's like a creature effect is needed. <clears throat> you know, something like some sort of a creature, some sort of a monster. Hans, uh, my hedgehog. Hans, my hedgehog. There's, there's lots of, lots of stuff. There's uh, uh, 13 total episodes, only 12 aired in the U.S. Um, it originally aired in the U.K. two years before we got it. And uh, it was a pretty successful show. But I think that'd be really fun. Uh, all of the episodes of both seasons are actually on Prime. Um, so I don't know. I think I, I would really like to do a crow's nest on this. And if we just kind of put a pin in it, like you said, for labyrinth. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've never actually seen any of that. So I'd be very interested in checking it out. Yeah. I mean, sure. if, it's, if, it's yeah. cool. It's, it's, it's yeah. very much a departure. It's, it's really just like Jim Henson doing, you know, his, his effects workshop yeah. uh, applied to something just totally, you know, like, um, Brothers Grimm, at, yeah. you know, like it's that all, realm. Yeah, all Germanic fairy tales, um, but not the ones you've seen a billion times. Yeah, right. yeah. It's not Hansel and Gretel. It's it's ones you probably don't even know. Um, yep. So very very cool. Yeah. So I think that um, if you know whatever hosts are interested in that, I think we should maybe record a crow's nest at some point, sort of soonish if we can. Yeah. Obviously, boss rush, uh, boss rush. You're still dealing with a. Some stuff from your move. You just you just bought a house. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank really, you. Really, really yeah, cool. Uh, very, very cool. You know, me and me and uh, Mrs. Rush Motor. You know, finally settle, settling in, getting a have a got all our stuff. I actually moved in like two days ago as of the recording of this episode. So yeah. we're still trying to you know make this house look like it's actually <laughs> being lived in and not just like another episode of Hoarders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where do we get all the shit? Get all the shit. <laughs> And where do we put it? Yeah, seriously. So, so we so we gotta take some time to get get to putting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Get to putting. Well, but maybe yes. yeah, maybe if we uh, you know, obviously the the beauty of doing a crow's nest is we can release it any day, and whenever the fuck we feel like it. So, uh, right. yeah, we should we should plan on uh, watching some episodes. And and Joe, it's up to you if you're interested. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we'll we'll you know that'd be that'd be fun. Yeah, I I love that idea. I think that's that's a super smart way to break this stuff up. Um, 
I think one one last thing before we move on from Storyteller is that yep. uh, in 2019, it was announced that a reboot series is being developed by Neil Gaiman. Oh uh, my God, I didn't know it's, that. Oh, it's great. being produced by the Jim Henson Company and a company called Fremantle. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely been some some interest in pulling from the well of, of different things as far as- You got as, your like, Henson you know, in my Gaiman. No, you yeah. got your Gaiman in my Henson. Well, it's two great, great tastes that taste great together. I'll have more. I'll have more. <laughs> I'll have some seconds. How do Give you, me that. How do you eat your gaming? I, I nibble around the edges, and then I, I just, get a, I pop get a the middle in my mouth. <laughs> I put mine in the freezer. Yeah. Is that what you do with your Neil? Yes. Yes. I microwave it for, for, for two, two, two. That's what I do. Um, two minutes. Well, puddle of Gaiman. Oh, very liquidy. <laughs> Drink it with a straw. So yeah, very, very fucking exciting. I can't believe. I mean, this thing was so under the radar. You know, it felt like the Jim Henson thing nobody saw. So that's awesome. Uh, what a what an awesome person to helm that. Um, so uh, yeah, so so storytelling was in you know was in eighty eight was when it started and uh, or eighty seven to eighty eight and uh, and then the following year, uh, Jim Henson actually had uh, something called the Jim Henson Hour. Um, which mixed some lighthearted Muppet fare with some more risque material. Uh, it was uh, critically well-received and won him an Emmy for Outstanding Directing, uh, but it was unfortunately also canceled after 13 episodes due to low ratings. And apparently NBC had constantly rescheduled the show all over the place. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't seen this one. Steve, I think you said you've seen some of this. Yep. Yeah, this, so, this, this is where I saw the Storyteller. Uh, they played, um, I think, four episodes had Storyteller episodes at the end. But this was two years after the Storyteller had aired in its entirety in Britain. So gotcha. we, even, even then, we only got four out of the, what, nine or, episodes of... Or nine, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was, you know, it introduced some new characters. Um, the one I, I think that is the one I, I'm pretty sure continued on a little bit is the the crazy doctor phil van neuter who just looks like um uh, what's his name the guy from he was in news radio he's andy dick he just it reminds me of andy oh, dick okay. oh yeah the guy with the big yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah crazy, he's got like big rubber crazy kind of yeah zany yeah guy yeah yeah i think i think he was from this um i don't think too many of the of the characters really uh, endured, but it was, it was a, a very open format show. And sometimes there, there were just skits like the Muppet show. Uh, it didn't have human guests. That was a difference. Um, and three of the episodes, three of the what nine that aired or whatever it was, I, I think only how many, how many aired? I don't know. Uh, so for the Jim Henson 13. hour, there was 13. Yeah. 13, three out of the 13 actually were hour long mini movies. They just decided, oh, wow. oh uh, this is what we're going to do. So it's, huh. <laughs> it was their crow's nest, basically. They're like, whatever. Right, they're, like, yeah. they're like, it's one hour of Jim Henson doing one hour. But it was always introduced by Henson himself, and he was always with this amazing lion puppet. It was this white lion puppet that um, I always felt was like maybe his proof of concept that like he wanted to do a Narnia movie, perhaps. Like I, I always wonder, because like, yeah. damn – this lion puppet was amazing. And I'm pretty sure it took three people to actually perform the thing. It looked, it moved very real. It was, it was basically lion sized, very, very beautiful puppet. 
And it was from one episode of The Storyteller. Um, and he clearly just loved it. And it just became his sidekick for the, uh, the intros for the Jim Henson hour. And he would just sort of explain whatever was going to go on that, that week. And the neat thing was, I, I do remember some, some episodes being like, they would show some of the, you know, because he was always about like pushing technology of, of, of puppetry, just the technology of puppetry. Always, always, always pushing that limit. And uh, in the envelope and like, you know, I mean, he made, like we said, with even Big Bird, like always making these bigger and bigger costumes, a snuffle up against all these things. Like, you know, it's like it's puppetry, though. You know, you're moving the mouth. It's, it's just a different way of doing it. So I remember there was a component where certain episodes would would be like, this is what we're working on this week. You know, this is something we've been trying, you know, this kind of a thing. Um, so anyway, it was it was definitely neat. It was his last primetime show um until muppets tonight which uh would air six years after he passed away so this was the last primetime show of his lifetime that he worked on yep yeah and you know it's uh it's definitely a legacy that's just kind of carried on you know because i was never like sure of you know growing up or anything when jim henson had passed away and obviously it was ended up actually being a year before i was born but like you know there was kind of always some sort of muppet property going on that like the, the jim henson company and the muppets you know just as a license and as a franchise and everything just kind of carried on, you know, it really, it, it, there was no stopping them. I mean, obviously their popularity waxed and waned and, you know, they had their all peaks and valleys and stuff, but um, yeah, you know, Muppets tonight was definitely a show that I remember watching growing up. Like that was probably my first introduction to like that, that format, but I didn't really appreciate Muppets tonight as much as I would have if I watched it again, like now i mean i i did fall in love with like you know pepe the king prawn uh and bobo um but i think you know really seeing the original muppet show was was kind of like what cemented it for me um but yeah so i mean this essentially you know brings us right to the end of jim henson's life um you know the, the end of his career but not the end of the muppets um you know he was uh, a prolific individual, you know, just an absolute fountain of creativity and just inspiration and joy that was able to touch so many millions of people, children and adults alike. Um, except and, for me. Except for Joseph. <laughs> and, uh, you know why? You want to know why? And the uh, Yeah. And, you know, I mean, his, his passing in, in May of 1990 was uh super out of nowhere it was very unexpected it was the result of a previous you know infection that like had created a bunch of abscesses in his in his lungs and and caused him a lot of trouble it was almost just like this kind of uh time bomb that happened and uh it's it's just really tragic uh i'm not going to get into it too uh, much here but if you have time and you want to cry uh, go watch the Jim Henson like two-hour funeral ceremony on YouTube. It's right. amazing. It's absolutely fucking like the most moving tribute to a man I've ever seen. It's incredible. Uh, I I cannot believe the 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 stuff they did and and you know just the show of love and everything that came out and it's just amazing. The music, the acts, the everything. It's like there's so many people that love this guy and 
just he created such a legacy and you know it's like i realizing today that like he died uh you know a little over a year before i was born was crazy it's like i never actually shared a planet with jim henson but like the the ripples of his legacy and everything have impacted my life so much and brought me so much joy through my 29 years of life on earth that it's like well it feels like uh he's been here the whole time so you know i really i wanted to do this episode because you know so much of his stuff um is just things that really make me laugh and make me happy and you know even some of the newer muppet properties i really enjoy you know the newer muppet movies i've had a lot of fun with i actually have gone back and watched the um the muppets show from the 20 i think 2015 or 2016 it was the one that was on abc um it was kind of done like the office and i remember when it first aired i really didn't get it Uh, i really didn't like it and and now i've i went back and watched the whole thing uh and i i mean it's like hilarious like it is super funny and dry and sarcastic and just riddled with adult humor and i mean i think it kicks ass i'm so disappointed that it got canned after one season uh and now they're doing some kind of youtube-esque muppets now show which is just like not great i mean it has its moments obviously uh the swedish chef is always funny to me but um you know there's there's it's it's not a format that i think is like super strong but um anyway you know that's kind of that's kind of the gist of everything here um did anyone else have anything they wanted to throw in for this final before we wrap it up well i do want to say you know despite me not being a huge fan of Jim Hansen. I do appreciate all the all all the work he's done. Like I mean, even like back in the day it was pretty pretty amazing that he mm-hmm. started something so long ago and it's still around today. He like right. he left like an, uh such an amazing impression on on most people's lives. Right. Um, and that that's that's just amazing to me. Yeah, you know, it's like to to think of one person, you know, being, you know, a kid one day and just deciding to, oh, you know, I really like puppets, you know, puppets are really Mm. just like so interesting and just having it turn into this, just this empire, empire and and this domain of just like happiness and joy. And, you know, some of the tributes that were that were, um, you know, said to Jim uh, at his services were like, this man always made sure that silliness was like the forefront. He's like, just, he he would never stop pushing that. He's like, just be silly, be zany, be fun, have a good time with it. You know, like they would always write these corny jokes and these corny lines and stuff, but he's like, just the silliness of it and to preserve that throughout all your years of life, you know? So that was just such an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's the same kind of appreciation I have for someone like Weird Al where they're so funny and they're so dedicated to their craft of being a goofball, but they're yeah. incredibly good at it. Yeah. Yes. And you take them as a person that you're like, well, but their whole deal is being a total silly doofus. It's like, but they're like an expert doofus. Like that's right. their whole thing. <laughs> and yeah. you can't just, you, it takes so much talent to be that good. I'm an silly. executive and it's just amazing you know so i i'm glad that uh, you know that appreciation is there for you joe because yeah i mean it's just like you you almost can't you know dispute it right you can't deny it you can't deny that you know the guy was brilliant right absolutely here we are 
yeah, here we are over 30 years after his passing, you know, taking our, taking time to talk about him, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. You're right. And, uh, and I think that's just great. So, um, you know, this has been an awesome discussion. Thank you guys so much. Um, and now, you know, it's almost time for us to catch that horizon. Uh, but before we say goodbye, let's go to this. Hello, and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, The New and Improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews, The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the... last 20 minutes of the movie that that's what right. the game is it's fucking monsters tearing up a fuck a fucking city secret underground hideouts cinema with harrison smith dorks the podcast the dorkening black and white fright the wicked horror show subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found for more information check out the dorkening.com Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. According to the clock, it's half past thirteen. So light a candle, uncork that cask of Amontillado, and dust off another tome from the bookshelf of the dead. Hey everybody, how's it going? Parasite Steve here with another edition of Bookshelf of the Damned, as you just heard. And uh, this week, I am going to spotlight book I enjoyed a couple of months ago. I read this. Um, It is called Woman of the Woods, and it is by a dude named Milton J. Davis, very talented writer. Um, This guy, he writes in uh, the soul and sword genre and the steampunk genre. Basically, these are like sword and sorcery and steampunk, but all black characters, and that's kind of like the whole point. And um, he uh, is just a very prolific writer. He's got a ton of stuff out here. But I was drawn to this novel. This actually came out in 2013. And it, is, it, was, a, it was a really fun read. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a little bit of the back of the book, uh, which I like to do. And it says, <clears throat> Saratina, an Adamu girl on the brink of becoming a woman, has lived a peaceful life with her family in Adamusola the land beyond the old men mountains. But tragic events change her life forever, revealing a hidden past that leads her into the midst of a war between her people and those that would see them destroyed, the Moselle. Armed with a spiritual weapon and her feline sisters, Satatina becomes a Shosa, a warrior trained to fight the terrible Niokas, demon-like creatures that aid the Moselle in their war against her people. It's 
basically a fun adventure story with a strong female protagonist. It's set in uh, a fictionalized African type country, uh, much like Black Panther was, but you know, without all of the um, without all the sci-fi tech. And uh, it's it's a fun book. It's got monsters. It's got a lot of a lot of action. And um, she really has quite an arc where she starts out and she's, you know, a young girl. And then you get to see her uh, blossom into this warrior and then even become like even later in life, you see what happens later. So it really is this like nice snapshot of this really cool, strong female character. And uh, as a fan of pulpy adventure stories, I, I had a lot of fun with it. So I recommend you check out Woman of the Woods by Milton J. Davis. And also check out all his other stuff because this guy literally does it all. He does comics, he does novellas, novels. Uh, he is just a very prolific dude. And uh, I was very happy to uh, share a table of contents with this, this gentleman uh, in the book I talked about quite a bit this uh, past year, which was Slay, Tales of the Vampire Noir. We were both in that together and that's how I uh, you know, was first clued in on Milton J. Davis. So yeah. If you're uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, please check out Woman of the Woods. Awesome, Milton J. Cool. Davis. That is a name I will remember. I will definitely have to look up. Nice guy too. Works. Uh, that makes it all the better. You know, gotta love that. So awesome. Thank you, Parasite, for sharing that bookshelf of the damned with us. Yes, of the damned. Uh, of the damned. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, before we go, does anyone have anything they would like to promote here at the opening of this season? Well, I, I, think, I think just real quick, I'll mention my book as always, Mark of the Witch Worm. Go to roughhousepublishing.com. You've heard me talk about this a million times, but you can still pick that book up right now, and we're still in pre-order. Uh, that book uh, will be coming out very shortly. We're experiencing just a, a few delays, but we are, we are really looking at delivering the audiobook to everybody on time, and uh, we're very proud of this thing, and uh, you know, we, we worked on this very hard. I, I did the narration myself and, and uh, pretty much did nothing else for the fall. Um, so, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it, it should be a good time. And um, if you purchased any of the versions that came with the audiobook, you'll be, you'll be all set. And uh, I think, you know, the printed books are going to be ready when they're ready. We're experiencing delays at the printer, delays in the mail service, all sorts of stuff like that. But, you know, hey, it took me almost five months to get my Super Shredder I ordered from Nika. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> right. Everything just be crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I actually, uh, I, I have not finalized this project yet, but I am working um, with Julian Hester from the What's In My Head podcast uh, to try and write him a theme song for his podcast, which he's oh, cool. been doing uh, on YouTube for a little while. And he's gotten a lot of great uh, guests. You know, he does a lot of voice actors. So he has gotten uh, Carlos Alizraki, the voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life, oh, wow. um, Townsend Coleman, the voice of Michelangelo, yeah. Renee mm. Jacobs, who voiced April O'Neil. Um, he, you know, had uh, the, just uh, Larry Kenny, you know, Lionel oh. Jagas, uh, you know, just all kinds I of. I know that guy. You know yeah. that voice. <laughs> ah, it's me. It's me. It's me, Snarf. Uh, and there was actually, uh, there was one that I was trying to, oh, it escapes me right now, but um, he, he interviewed. 
a lot of people. He seems like a really, really nice guy. Uh, Andy Doyle connected me with him on Facebook and uh, he's been, you know, great to work with. And I'm trying to write something a little bit out of my genre uh, and working with him to try and get that there. But I mean, if nothing else, check out the what's in my head podcast. I have literally nothing to do with it, but it's a great, (laughs) it's a great show. And hopefully uh, I will, I will write a podca- uh, podcast theme for, for Julian and it, who knows, maybe, maybe you'll hear it sometime. Nice. nice. I can't wait. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait to put that in my ear holes. Yes. 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 All right. All right, guys. So if that does it, for, that does it for tasty proms. Uh, that will, that will wrap up the episode. Uh, so if you all haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hoped that you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up. Awesome. If you liked what you heard, please hit the subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. And as well as being a part of the inebriate part podcast network retro red octopus is a full-fledged member of the dorkening podcast network so if you get a chance please check out sister shows like wicked horror show throwdown thursday the strange show the horror squad the toking dead mostly ghostly and shock treatment with mel and maddie we love doing cross promotions and trying to help people out and so we hope that you take a look at some of our brother and sister shows uh I have been your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and we will see you next time. What's the opposite of high hole? What does he say for goodbye? Does Kermit have a... Loho. Oh, hi. Loho. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Welcome. To the season three premiere of the Retro Octopus Cephala podcast. Uh, this is the only show that separates all things that makes cel- wait celebrate. Doesn't <laughs> we, we bring it together? We do, it's the opposite. I'm separating <laughs> it. Started to fuck it. Fuck. All right, hold on. We're off to a good start already. All right, we'll count to five. I mean, it's just funny. It just separates. I, I, wasn't I was going to say, wait a second. Catch it. That's not what we do. Oh, man. It, okay. it left my mouth, and I'm like, that felt wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that tasted like misspeak. That tasted wrong. All right. All right. All right. <clears throat>